Hi, Andy. Hey, Harry. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm this good, is man. great. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm very excited as well. Um, I'm excited that finally you're in the podcast. I am, I am. I did say that I only wanted to appear on the podcast as a CGI character. <laughs> but, I mean, we couldn't get anyone else for the Beatles Get Back special. So, yes, it's me. Here you are. It's the man behind the curtain. It's Harry Williams. Hello. Although I'm actually not behind the curtain today. You're not. Bridie Which is is. why I'm excited. Thank you, Bridie. Bridie Fry, what's up? Whose arm didn't make it into shot then. I think it did. So, where do we go first with this one? It's it's the Beatles' Get Back. Not directed by Peter Jackson. It's Well, it is. No, I'd I'd think it's fair to say that the Beatles' Get Back is directed by Peter Jackson. Mm Mm-hmm. But we should probably explain what Get Back itself is, which is, I'd say, almost like a reimagining of the 1970 Let It Be film. Yes. Which was Michael Lindsay Hogg. Right. Um, but yeah, you are right. Peter, Peter Jackson, in all his interviews, has been making sure to stress that like Michael Lindsay Hogg gets the credit because you know he was the one who set the cameras up and did the recordings. It's just, you know, the initial cut was a bit lackluster. Yes. And also, the, the Beatles have deleted that haven't they? Yeah, so as far as I know, like you could, you used to be able to, It was a, there was a, a small like, theatrical release at the time, and then you could get it on some format, and then I think after about 1980, it was pretty hard to get, but you know, you can see it, and bits of it are in an anthology. So. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, as you know, disc three of my anthology box set is where the journey ends for me, because there's a scratch in it. Yeah, and yeah. I haven't forked out the cash to buy a new yeah, one. Yeah, DVD 9 is where it's at for this one. <laughs> <laughs> As you like to keep telling me. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think why they've buried that original Let It Be album, to my knowledge, is that it, it contains a lot of footage of them arguing, or them not in their best light. And I think that was a, a, an early example of damage control. In, from a PR sense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, in some ways, John Lennon was the first guy to get cancelled, wasn't he, with that bigger than Jesus stuff? Yes. So maybe that they sort of were a bit more aware of band image at that point, and sort of wanted to sanitise it. I mean, I have seen like you can get, you can find the original Let It Be. It's, it's floating around on the internet. I'd like to see. Um, it, but there's a part of me that kind of. Ooh. It's just a bit odd. It's just yeah. quite sort of unfocused. Right. Like, I mean, it, there are bits of it that are quite, you know, dramatic, but like it completely glosses over George Harrison leaving the band. So it's like simultaneously a whitewash, but also quite a dour affair. Right. Um, but, you know, it does have really cool like, cinematography in it, and like, I'm sure we'll see later. Like, you know, that, that shot uh, that was in the trailer where like, the camera's panning along and it's looking through a glass and stuff. Mm. Uh, like really cool, creative, quite fluid shots. So that was all in the original, but it's just, you know, it just didn't look or sound that good and had almost no cohesive narrative. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the main reason why, one, I can't see it because I haven't been able to find a copy of it, but I've, I've, I haven't really seeked it out because I, as I understand, like yeah, like you said, it's dour and they're arguing, and it's kind of almost like the breakup of the Beatles. They, the people say, mm. and I almost don't want to see that because I felt when they released the, and I'm digressing slightly here, when they released the montage of Heck film about Kurt Cobain, right? I felt that that was far too, that was far too revealing, far too personal, mm. and I actually left, I was left after that film feeling a little bit disappointed in that someone who was previously my hero i'd seen far too much 
questionable behaviour. Yeah. yeah, and I just felt like it was too much and it probably should never have been released. Yeah. And I kind of feel a bit like that with the Beatles. Like, I don't, I almost don't want to see them being horrible to each other and arguing because I love them so much. Yeah, yeah. But then also, it's a piece of rock and roll history and there's a part of me that's very curious to see how a Beatles argument went down. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I mean, to be fair, like, the, the, the tape recordings as well, they've been floating around on the internet for years. Mm. So, like... I mean, they're pretty, pretty naff recordings, as I'm sure we'll get onto, but um, they definitely have that kind of like untouchable mythic thing, don't they? And a lot of the accounts of them are like written accounts with like a black and white photo to accompany it. So to see them like not as like cartoon characters and not as like the cute one, the quiet one, the funny one, and you know Ringo, whatever. <laughs> um, he is cute and funny. Yeah, to be fair, he was the he was the funny one, wasn't he? Yeah, I can't remember. I can't but remember then, that. But then John had a, a very very sharp, cynical, funny tongue on him. But that's what I mean. But this is this is they're almost like we have these cartoonized ideas of them, like yeah. the acerbic one, you know, and you know, like that. And it's like obviously in real life they're probably just sort of people. And yeah. they're probably, you know, just sort of getting on with it and having cups of tea and just sort of, they're just normal. And like, you know, although these songs have almost become mythical, I think in particular, because obviously two of the Beatles are dead, mm. um, they kind of feel untouchable. Like, you know, shedding this light on it, it might just make people go, oh yeah, they were just a band. Like, they literally just recorded these songs in a quite horribly lit room one day. And it will kind of, yeah, I know it will pull back the curtain a bit. Mm. Um and maybe that's why they've been reticent. Like apparently, none had even seen most of this footage for years. But you know, both Paul and Ringo have said they're surprised how much like larking and fun was on it. Yeah, it's amazing what what they seem to have forgotten. And 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 of course, you know, we all live our lives, and we we're not constantly, you know, storing every part of our day. Yeah. And and they've had they are so fabled, and they have so much history that it is impressive what they do manage to recall. And the details and and the and the times and the places and the feelings they had or the the little pieces of inspiration. So it is impossible for them to remember everything, but it is interesting that they've seemed to have forgotten so many moments of joy and, and yeah. And it, it, it's almost like they themselves have like subscribed to like the anthology version of events, which obviously it's impossible to ever like fully accurately tell it. Because as you say, yeah, they're just living their lives, you know. Yeah. They're not really thinking of it in like, you know, how we think of it, of like when the album releases are, and like you know what's coming next. So like you know that after Rubber Soul comes Revolver and that. Mm. They were just doing it, like, yeah. and then going off and playing gigs and like, then they gave up the gigs and then they had the one final concert on the roof. But they weren't thinking of it as these historical things. It was just like, let's just go up on the roof, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, I guess they're not feeling... I guess there's moments where, like Shea Stadium, etc., where they would probably be feeling like they're part of something historical. Yeah. But yeah, much... And, and, and maybe their their kind of excitement for stuff had been dulled because they did so many things that... Mm. Like, they did so many things that would have been the greatest day in a lot of people's lives. Yeah. And it was, to them, it was just another day. Just another it? day. So perhaps their sort of idea of what's making history and what's a super important cultural event yeah is not quite as profound to them in the moment because they yeah. live and they live a lifestyle that not many people in no history one's ever gonna yeah have experienced no one's ever gonna know what it's like that is interesting with this because in particular i think the original idea for the get back sessions the reason they were doing it in a film studio was that it was going to end in a gig and in the end they just went up on the roof it's a bit 
I mean, it's it's, a, it's kind of cool, it's amazing and iconic, but it's also quite lazy. Yeah. But like, as I understand it, they were all sorts of ideas are thrown around. We're probably going to see some of this in the film mm. of them like saying like, oh, we'll go and do it at the Great Pyramids. We'll go and do it in Libya. We'll do it on a boat. We'll. And I think Ringo's like. Well, I don't fancy going abroad. I've got the dentist on Tuesday or something, you know. Right. <laughs> um, and so that's it's, mad, it's like... isn't it? Because that's, like, that's kind of an indicator of how mad their lives were and how, to a degree, they've probably taken a lot of that for granted. Because, yeah. Because to many musicians, the idea of going and playing in, where is it, Giza or something? Yeah, yeah. Where the yeah. Great Pyramids are... Would be a would be insane. Would be but insane. But Ringo's like, oh man, I, I can't be bothered. Got the dentist. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's it's interesting. It's like it's almost that this was their one conscious attempt to try and do something iconic, right? And it's kind of widely regarded as a failure. Whereas, we're, well, well, not a failure, but like the fact that they tried to bury it. And like the grand ambition giving way to a concert on the roof. Like the one time they really try and do consciously do something historical and amazing it all falls to shit and they right. start arguing with each other. But then, you know, who knows? Maybe that, maybe this is, maybe this is the myth. Maybe once we've watched it, we'll go, well, no, that was bullshit. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I've seen some interviews with Peter Jackson um, and and he says, you know, there's so much joy and there's so so much camaraderie. Yeah. That the, the idea that I was, you know, that I was talking about earlier where, you know, you're essentially watching a car crash of, yeah. of people that you... Never, never met. I mean, I know you've met Paul, but people I've Don't never surprise. met. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you kind of love them, and you you have the there's a there's a thing. With yeah, the Beatles. Well, exactly. I, I don't know about you. I don't really ever remember like being introduced to them. No. Like I just they have always been there. Yeah, I've, I feel like I was born with them preloaded. Yeah, exactly. In my mind, a bit like that U two album that came on. That it. came on just, the eye for just... every child in the nineties. <laughs> Born near anthology, just had all the songs downloaded, pre-installed. Yeah. yeah. So, is there anything in particular you're expecting that, like, you've heard about this that you're particularly excited to see? One thing I'm excited to see is the fuller clip where John and Paul are singing the two of us, but they're like, they're singing with their mouths closed, <laughs> like, and like the weird accents and shit. I want to see all that. I'm excited to see how they work. Mm. is in how they work as a professional unit yeah maybe we'll see a bit more of like george martin in action as well Ooh, like because thought about that because to me george martin is the old man on anthology and you know the boys came into the studio and you know <laughs> and all this but well, obviously back in those days he'd have been like you know in his 30s or something yeah. like he got that fresh haircut and he'll be like sending out mad ideas i'd have thought yeah like We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Hopefully we get a bit of George Martin in his prime. I'm excited about the tech that they've used for this as well. This, I mean, this is probably your area of expertise when we talk about software and digital extraction and, and um, the, the audio-visual side of it. Mm. But I am excited to see... Because Peter Jackson said in an interview that um, the original director, he would, he would tell his cameramen to sort of switch the cameras to record and then shuffle off and make a cup of tea yes. with tape over the red light to show that it was recording. Exactly. So the Beatles would be more candid because they're, they're obviously, he's obviously trying to not, he is being sneaky, Yeah. but he's not, do, I don't think he's doing it out of any sort of malicious 
intent. He's probably trying to capture... He's trying to give them what they want. What they want, which is a natural, yeah. candid fly on the wall. But I guess by that point, they've done the other... You know, they've done the Beatles films. What is it? Uh, Hard Day's Night and Help. Yeah. Just, just those two? I'm not sure on... You know what? I've not seen... I've not properly watched those yeah. films. And they're, they're a gap in my Beatles knowledge. I know oh, they Magical really, Mystery Tour as well. Magical Mystery Tour. I have yeah. seen that. I had that on Blu-ray. Um, but I so obviously they, they, they knew to a certain extent how to be the Beatles on film. Yes. But like the cartoon version, you know. Um, so I guess this was, yeah, trying to... That's what they wanted, but then I, there was maybe a bit of reticence. But then, yeah, that's also... That's led to one of the big audiovisual problems, which is John, I think, well, they all got wise to it. So John, like when they would have a, a casual conversation, would just start fucking strumming open strings on his guitar, making a racket. Yeah. And all of this was being, like, summed to a mono recorder. Right. And so... You know, I mean, even the stuff that I, I use to do the podcast, you know, it, it's got AI stuff in it where you can rebalance music, you know, isotope. You can take out the bass, the percussion, the vocals, rebalance them. So I'm assuming this is just some amazing, you know, super high-end bespoke version of that. And they've taken from these mono recordings, they've basically separated everything back out and done full stereo mixes. They've managed to separate out voices, separate out those conversations that we weren't supposed to hear. Yeah, so they've taken um, away those guitars that they were strumming yeah. to mask the sound of their conversations or yeah. just at least make them inaudible. And then 50 years later, right. some boffins invented a way of undoing it. It's yeah. crazy, isn't it? Like, But the fact that the, they, the Beatles are so iconic that, that them having a secret conversation probably had, like, you know, years of R&D to try and recover it. <laughs> right? <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to... Because what we're about to see... Okay, it's it's never never before seen Beatles footage, we're yeah. told. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's any overlap with the Let It Be so film. So from what I understand, there are some like events that were in the Let It Be film, mm -hmm. but where possible, if there's, like, a different angle available... They've uh, done that. So if the same situation is covered, it's not going to be like a cut-for-cut cut thing. Right. They'll, they they will have rebuilt it in some way. Uh, I mean, you know, we'll have to do it. We we I'm sure some anorak channel that I will watch at a later date will go through frame by frame and find exactly what's been enhanced and what's, you know. But as I understand it, that's how they're getting around that one because they kind of want Let It Be to stand alone. And this, yeah. this isn't to replace it necessarily. It's just a sort of... Is it? Re it's not revisionist it. history, though, is it? Because well, no, because it's it's, it's, it's the what they filmed at yeah, the time. It's the it's real. It's just more events. of the same. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as well, I think I think so. They've done it. The sessions took place over three weeks, as I understand it. We're watching episode one tonight. Each episode is a week of the process, so it's 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 fairly linear. You know, they're not they're not doing any Christopher Nolan stuff to try and tell a story that didn't happen. Right. I think it's. I think yeah. I wouldn't. I'd. I'd say it's it's anything but revisionist. Yeah. It's almost like undoing the revisionism that took place at the time. Right. Um, it's a very, very interesting um, project, conceptually, and yeah. in, in, in its philosophy as well. Um, and I'm also wondering if Let It Be, or their intentions with this footage originally, was possibly... Because we all know the Beatles as being the, the band to innovate this, or the first to do that, yeah. or the first to uh, incorporate this or that. Yeah. And many firsts belong to the Beatles, or mm -hmm. can be traced back to the Beatles. Um, I'm wondering if that Let It Be film was the first of its kind in terms of a, a rock documentary. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I think... It could have been more, but from what I understand, they sort of 
by the time they'd finished filming it, they were all just so done with it. They just sort of did that, all went on off on holiday for a bit, and then came in and did Abbey Road. And right. then the actual film, so that this was filmed in 68, I think. The film didn't come out till like after they'd broken up in like 1970. Um, right. And here's my Beatles hot take. Go. I'm very excited to see all this footage of them working in their prime, but I wish it had been of Abbey Road rather than Let It Be as the album. I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we are going to see a little bit of Abbey Road stuff. I've seen a clip of them working on something, but of all the of all the Beatles albums, I think it's fair to say it does not contain their strongest material. <laughs> We're going to get a lot of hate for this. We're going, to, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, it's objectively, I think it's objectively true. true. There's great promise, but it, it is inherently an unfinished album, as we said when we listened to that fiftieth the other day. Yeah, like it sounds great. They've really, you know, dressed that up, mm. but they all the sort of eventually were just like that will do, and just yeah. it went out. I did see in an interview with Peter Jackson recently that um, this all this footage comes from, I think it's 60 hours, 50 or 60 hours mm. of footage. And of course, we're not seeing 50 or 60 hours of it. And of no. course, not all of it is going to be you, you know, um, of use yeah. or, or, or interest. Um, but what was interesting is a little, little nugget that, that he dropped in an interview where he said, she said, oh, this has taken you four years to um, to restore. Yeah. And, and they're painting each frame, aren't they, digitally? I guess so. I guess it. so. I think they're do, presumably doing noise reduction and then kind of Cause it's augmenting mil it. tape. Is that, yeah. Not 35 okay. mil, which is 35 is the native HD, isn't it? I don't really know much about film, mate. I think 35 <laughs> mil is natively HD. Okay. Um. And sixteen, I'm sure, looks incredible if it's if it's in good condition. It's been yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to look great, and we've seen the trailers. It looks. Fantastic. I mean, we saw what he did to that World War One footage, and this is the. And so this, this is, the... is, is also be a much better source material as a starting point, isn't yes. it? Yes. So it should look amazing. And this is the same technology that he's using yeah. for this. Um, but what is interesting, he she said, "Oh, four years it took you to do this," and he said, oh, "I was still restoring footage up until two weeks ago." Yeah. Now I don't know if that means. Episode three is going to be cut together and like uploaded, and they're going to be really on a deadline for this. Yeah. Or whether the Beatles have, you know, the surviving members and the people that have a say in the other members' estates and whatnot mm. have got together, watched this, and said, Peter, you've done such an incredible job. You can put out more. This. Um, do the same. Do the same treatment to the to all the tapes. Yeah, to all the I tapes, wonder. Just for I mean, just I imagine that as, as part of the editing process, they would have to do a sort of baseline restoration to everything. Yes, to even sort of a, try and assemble the bits they want. But then, I presumably, as the edit takes shape more, they then spend more and more time doing like even more noise reduction or trying to make the faces look better. I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but um, I mean, yeah, with with, with Peter Jackson at the helm. It's going to be pretty good. Right. And supposedly, the cut he originally wanted to put out was 18 hours long. And... So there is an 18 hours long cut. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a double donkey Blu-ray box set in the future. But, right. So, uh, you know, this was originally meant to be a film, let's not forget. Then the yeah. pandemic came. And then it was like, oh, it's going to be a little three-parter, hour and a half each. Now they're two hours each. And then literally, like a few days ago, they're over two hours each now. So we've got nearly eight hours. So Interesting. So maybe they are editing this and, and, and working on it a bit more on the fly or a little bit close to the Yeah, who, close who, to who the knows? Wire. Who knows? Um, it, it would definitely make sense. I mean, it's probably very expensive work. 
it would probably make sense to just treat all the tapes. Yeah. He did say that it, the tapes were in a vault. There's a Beatles vault somewhere. He didn't say where it is, undisclosed location. Yeah. But he said there's a proper vault. You go into it and it's all in there. Yeah, Everything's yeah. in there. And I wonder what is in there. I love that stuff. And, to, and, and in reality, it's probably a in a few rickety old boxes of tape. Yeah. yeah. And that need baking. Most of, which, most of which have probably Giles Martin transferred into Pro Tools years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do wonder what's in there. And I wonder maybe if they would ever recut Let It Be with, with this better footage. Oh, Re- that's interesting. So do, do, a do shot the by Lindsay shot. Hogg edit, but with the... Interesting. I, I, I have to say, I don't really know anything about Michael Lindsay Hogg. I don't know if he's still alive, if no. he's signed off on this project or what. But, Who knows? Um, At this point, yeah, we pr- should probably thought, we put a little edit in here. Presumably, he is the reason. He's the reason why the guy in uh, Spinal Tap is called Dennis Eaton Hogg. Ah, <laughs> yeah, that would probably make sense. So that would be an interesting thing. And, it, and at some point, who knows? Years and years down the line, once Paul mm. and Ringo, and I hope it's years and years before yeah. they, before they're gone, um, someone's going to get a bit greedy, aren't they? Presumably, and, and, and I think something. as well. I think as as long as uh, Danny Harrison is alive, he's going to keep an eye on all of George's stuff, and he's a, a young young man. So mm. I think they're going to be in pretty safe hands. I presume they've all got enormous networks of people like looking after their legacies. And yeah, that. but I yeah, it'll so. be interesting. I mean, although there's a, there's a clip I saw on Twitter the other day. I think I think the Beatles Books podcast Twitter account posted it, which is a, a fine Beatles podcast, and it's a clip of Paul in like the eighties saying like. That someone's like, Paul, Paul, what's in the Beatles vault? And he's go, there's really not much in there. You know, we got a few tapes, a few rickety old photos, but there really isn't much left to come out. Like, uh, so, I don't know, if that was then... Q Anthology, volume one, two, three. One, two, three, and, yeah. And the movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. And all of these super deluxe box sets. Just going back to that, would they ever re-release Let It Be? I think the whole point of this project is, is them setting the, the record straight. Yeah, I guess so. Them saying, to themselves, there's, there's as well. more to this story than you've seen. This yeah. was some. Uh, this this film was maybe um, maybe a little tabloid, maybe mm. a little salacious. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. a little bit um, a money grab on the drama. And this is them going. Actually, you know, let's uh, like they say with again Nirvana. When when you see interviews with Dave Grohl, and they say, oh, everyone thinks of of Nirvana as this drab, depressed horrible band to be in yeah and they say actually no it was full of it was good full old of fun and, and banter and 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 good times and friendship and mm. i think this is this is probably the same the same message is like you know more happened than what you know about exactly and and and, and, and as well straight you know this is this this is a probably about this is probably gonna be the last major beatles release ever isn't it you know in terms of like groundbreaking this is the the fact that there's been all this footage this whole time is kind of insane in a way. Isn't yes, it? like that the, the, this with the stuff they've been putting out that they've been sitting on this is kind of mad. But but yeah, there's there's obviously more to the story than it's ever possible to know. And now there's only fucking two people in the world who know it. And eventually there will be none. So I think we should be very we should be very grateful for this existing. Yes, we should be. And yeah, like you said, every album has been released there's no lost beatles albums coming out there's the um there's the there's no lost beatles album but there's the, i think it's called carnival of light which is paul mccartney's revolution number no. nine 
fucking around with tape loops. And has that been released? No, but it's like the, it's like the one like final rumored thing to come out. I suspect it's probably a load of nonsense, right. and people will be very underwhelmed, which is why it hasn't come out. But people's imaginations have run wild, and they can project all sorts onto it. You know. Well, if he thought he could have made a buck from it, they would have put it in the uh, the super deluxe box set for the white album maybe it'll be on mccartney four who knows <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah you're right very lucky every book that can be written has been written yeah i think every documentary at this point has been uh has been made yeah uh, other than obviously this one um yeah and yeah this might be the, the last this i hope it. it's not who knows what they'll do down the line with um, greater technology again. They'll be like Ringo Starr, the Kodak years, <laughs> his 70s home movies. <laughs> 3D. Oh, awful. Yeah. Awful. I do hope, I do hope that they manage to find some way of going back to all of the earlier albums and doing some more stereo mixes yeah. with, with them. Yeah, that's true. I don't like Ringo being panned hard left. Well, who maybe Peter Jackson... Because that's basically he's. It seems that like him and his team have, have figured it out. They have worked out how to unbake a cake, in that they can take these old mono recordings and maybe 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 you know with every year this stuff is getting better with machine learning and AI stuff, um, stuff we never thought was possible with audio is becoming trivial. So who knows? Maybe maybe before long we'll get. A, a surround sound mix of please please me <laughs> <laughs> and who knows what nefarious uses this technology could uh all sorts could be of used things. for in the future all sorts of things but for now let's uh, let's thank the rock gods that it's being used for the beatles a chilling thought to end on wow Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, Should we bring the listener in? What, what we've, we've just finished part one. We just... Oh, McDonald's arrived. Yeah. We ate far too much. Ate far too much. Feel a bit disgusting. I feel sick. I've got a sort of dullness behind my eyes now. <laughs> but, yeah, we've just watched that. What was that? Just over... Was it, the, what, two and a half hours? Something like that? It was two hours, 36 minutes. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, there's so many little tiny micro moments that... It's, there's a lot to unpack. We should, we should start with what we've... What our impressions are of, its, of it on a technical level. Well, I mean, it looks incredible, doesn't it's it? Incredible. I mean, it looks and sounds great. There are a bit, there are a few bits we notice where we're like, "Oh, hold on, have they looped a bit of footage there?" Or you go, "Oh, yeah. hold on, that drum hit doesn't quite match up." So I think there's some very, and obviously, you know, it's incredibly, still incredibly meticulous. I think there's some interesting kind of, um, you know, jiggery pokery with the sound and vision to sort of maybe fill in scenes that they didn't have full coverage for. Um, I mean, it looked incredible, didn't it? Um, yes, yeah. Uh, the 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 color as well. What they've done with the color, um, the color palette. I guess. Yeah, incredibly vivid. Yeah, I mean that's interesting, isn't it? Because on day one, they're just in the room and it's all grey, and then kind of gradually that background it starts off with like a few color splashes, and then by the end it's like this really kind of quite complex gradient behind them, and yeah. everything looks everything that's great. And yeah, it just absolutely pops. You know, it's reflecting off all the all their bits of equipment. Um, yeah, I mean, it was great. There was that one one shot I noticed that I just thought looked incredible when it's, like, taken from just outside the studio door. That's right. And it's like, you can just see them in there. And it, I don't know, it completely, like... Normalised. Yeah. Myth- and it, mythological 
it completely pulled giant. away the artifice, didn't it? And like mm. you could just imagine, yeah, you're just like you know walking past in in a film on a film studio somewhere. And you're just going, oh yeah, there's the Beatles in there. Oh, that's the Beatles in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the sound the sound was great. Like the yeah. performances all sounded really good. I mean, you know, we, we've just been hit with that crazy barrage jam they did when George leaves the band like that. The thread, or one of many little threads that's going on during part one is George's clash, it seems, with Paul. In particular, Paul, yeah. And I don't feel like Paul, for the most part, is being particularly um, unfair or um, disrespectful. Yeah. I feel he's quite diplomatic, quite calm. He's just sort of trying to get what's best for the songs, really, isn't he? Yeah, and he's trying He's trying to get everyone focused because it's an incredibly unfocused band. Yeah I, mean that, yeah, I mean, that, I mean... They, 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 I'll be they, honest, they don't know... They don't have a fucking clue what they're going to do or what they want to do at this point. I guess they sort of cover that, didn't they, with the, the Brian Epstein dying? I mean, mm. so was that... That was... Uh, uh, this is probably this is basic Beatles facts, but that's after Sgt. Pepper, isn't it? And then Magical Mystery Tour was kind of their first part of them kind of being rudderless. But I mean, just just to sort of pick up on the George Harrison kind of through line, um, I, I'm not sure it's, he's necessarily it's just Paul. I think he's dissatisfied with the whole sort of Beatles operation in general. Mm. But because Paul is the one who's sort of trying to keep the focus. Mm he's kind of just like the lightning rod for it. But he just he just sort of is, looks just pissed off in general, doesn't he? Does, he does, like, and there's moments where he looks deflated. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I get it, because because you can set, you can pick up a sense from jo, uh, John Lennon that he is in agreement with Paul, but is not, not expressing this. saying it. Yeah. So it, I can... I, and Ringo, who knows what Ringo's thinking or doing. He's, he's just, just hanging, kind of back, hanging back, just keeping an eye on things. Um, so you do... I do kind of... I would understand why George would possibly feel... I don't want to say self-conscious, because it's quite obviously a clash of egos in some way, or pride. Mm. And at this point, George is becoming a very, um, a very good... Um, accomplished songwriter i would say yeah he's starting yeah. to come into his own very much mm. and we're hearing bits and pieces that he's playing on a whim or in downtime or when no one's really listening yeah and you're like oh that's from all things must pass yeah yeah so he's he's there he's in his mentally in his mind he's already exactly probably thinking about going it alone yeah or, or at least trying some of his own material and doing it his way rather than absolutely having to do it by committee yeah and I feel like Paul is being... I think he's being quite fair with him and quite reasonable. I think so. And I don't know what it is. Well, I, I think... I mean, there. you've recorded in the studio a lot. I What that looks like to me is like... After a while, if you keep throwing out ideas and every last one of them is getting shot down then like you sort of go inside yourself a bit and it's like, it's like it looked like you know there was a lot going on behind the eyes wasn't there yes. it's like have you ever had it where like you can't quite nail a take on something it's like it might just be like one little bar of a drum fill or whatever that you want to punch in for and then you get it wrong like three times in a row and then it almost becomes its own hurdle yeah like, it, it becomes a mental game at that point exactly and if every time he's throwing a part out there he sort of like, will tentatively try something, and then Paul will go, like, oh, why don't you try this? And it is a better part. Yes. It, it, it just objectively is. Like, the stuff he's playing of his own device is kind of a bit 
you know, I mean, I mean, all the playing that we've seen on that pretty much is quite mindless and nudely, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Kind of from kind of all the band. But then Paul will say, you know, like that, I've got a feeling, that arpeggio part. I mean, that is the song really, isn't it? Like, and so it must be, it's annoying when, when if you're a creative person in a band and then someone else always has better ideas than you and then you just end up delivering them. Yeah, and it might be a case of, you know, I mean, like, when I would have, when I've been recording or or writing, we've everything's written by the time we got to the studio. Yeah, but with these guys, they're kind of doing it on the fly. Yeah, and they're doing it with two weeks. Yeah, which must yeah. be in the back of their minds the whole time. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's like they can't. It, it it's insane. Like as we were watching that, I was thinking, like, how did these guys? ever knuckle down enough to make Sergeant Pepper, like something that intricate. Like, I mean, they're playing great, but it's like, well, are they? all the, Not necessarily all the time, really, are they? Like, No, there's a lot of... It's like they can't, they can't quite get in the zone because they've been displaced to this hmm. weird studio. Yeah. And like, so they're not really all giving it 100%. They're all kind of like trying to make each other laugh. And like, maybe a bit of that is like, you know, obviously now, I mean, you know, we can film ourselves in HD just as random oiks, you know, mm. for not very much money. But like, you know, a, a camera rig in those days with some enormous thing on a crane, it was probably a bit quite weird, like learning to behave with that around. So they're almost like they can't quite get in their zone. Yeah, I, I can I can sympathise with that because, yeah, they've obviously in their, in their minds, they've, they've just formed Apple at this point, haven't they? Yeah, there's sort of bits and bobs of like talking about that. And I, th- I think... Later in the process, they do end up at Apple, right, to record to finish off the recordings, and it's the Apple roof where they do the thing. Yeah, um, so they've so they've already, as you said, they've already called in a massive camera crew, and the simple things that would take a very simple um, few bits of kit now, mm. we're, we're taking. There's a few shots, and you can see there's a whole crew there. Yeah, yeah. And everyone I assume has has a role yeah. to do. Um, manning a piece of equipment or, or monitoring a, mm. a, a audio or changing film. I mean, that's the thing, obviously, as well, in those days, yeah, I mean, you literally were shooting on film. It's not like now, we've got an SD card, I can shoot nine hours of 4K footage on without, you know, but back in those days, you had, and then you had, you know, you had maybe 10 minutes, I don't, I, I'm not 100% sure, but, I, you know, 10 minutes of a reel of film, and then you've got to, you know, archive it all. You've got to know what's on what. You've got your sound recorded separately. Like, you know, doing an edit in those days was not at all trivial. Like, it's physical media. So, yeah, I mean, you need all those people around, but it must disrupt the process a bit. Yeah, we're seeing, these... the, we're seeing the Beatles out of their comfort zone. Definitely. Um, which is healthy. Yeah. But I, I feel like this this part one is them just getting to grips just with Just getting it. into the and process. Getting to grips with each other as well. Um, it's a very interesting point in their career, and yeah, like like yeah. So they've already invested. They've got two weeks to do this album. They've got this idea of doing a show that they're building up yeah. to do. And they don't even know where it is or what they're. Gonna well, do. why don't we pick up on that actually? Because we were talking about that a little bit before, weren't we? About about you know, I think I'd heard rumours that they discuss where to do this gig. Yeah, and let me just say, I wish they had done that at that that amazing amphitheater yeah that sort of ruinous amphitheater some i assume somewhere in sort of italy or i know, i think i think i think you might have gone to get yourself a drink there but that was in it was in northern libya ah okay um 
But yeah, I mean, there was... Uh, it seemed, it's, that bit in particular was quite interesting, actually, because Paul was coming up with like these crazy ideas and trying to get them on a boat and get them to go into the desert and that. And that desert thing in particular looked amazing. But George in particular was just like, why would we do that? Like, I'll go on holiday after we've done the thing. I'm not going on holiday to do the thing. Like... Yeah, it's a strange... It's a strange chemistry. It's a strange thinking, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost as if he's he's losing his his commitment to the vision. Yeah, like at that point, George Harrison as well, I think he'd spent the summer um, hanging out with the band as not 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 the Beatles as in the band called the band and like seeing how they worked it was like super collaborative like yeah and I think after he'd sort of seen how else it could be done um I just I, I you can see he just he's just increasingly dissatisfied with kind of being told what to do and to be fair the material he's bringing in is amazing like that version of all things must pass where he's got the whole band playing on. It's not quite finished yet, but like it's just amazing. And it's so much better than any of the other stuff we've seen Lennon and McCartney do at that point in the process. Yeah. They were sort of doing these kind of like rock and roll pastiche, kind of not fully taking it seriously. And then he's coming in with that. Uh, For You, Blue, we saw a bit of that. And I, Me, Mine, like... That bit where he's just showing I, Me, Minds, I think he's just showing it to Ringo and Michael Lindsay Hogg. Um, it's insane. He's playing some incredibly crunchy chords. It's yeah. Like, the material that he's outputting in him, himself is amazing, yet they're gonna they're having to do fucking take 22 of Maxwell's Silver Hammer. <laughs> like, Yeah, and, and what he's bringing to the table, like you said, crunchy chords and stuff, there's a darkness and a maturity to and a melancholy. Yeah. To, to what he's writing there and yeah and you've got Paul uh, who as you know we joked a bit about you know John Lennon calling a lot of Paul's stuff granny music yeah it's kind of a bit twee a little bit pop yeah um pastiche maybe I'm not sure what pastiche would have been in 1969 it's, yeah um but it's a good point it's um it, it is a little bit more middle of the road or tame yeah and and not very edgy no good, good pop songs in their own right, mm. but not what Paul is bringing to the table at that point before he starts jamming out Let It Be. I mean, that, that as well, when he first starts doing that, it's, it's, uh, again, I think you might have been out the room for this bit as well. <laughs> There's a bit where, like, I think John is talking to some of the, the sort of sooty types and they're just sort of going through some business. Oh, and you can hear him working and then in, out the in the background. The back. He's, and, and then he sort of goes for the first verse and it's just so like, it just sounds like the record. Like it's it arrives so fully formed and like Yeah, that that was the first time it's like, okay, sit up and listen, you know. And they obviously knew that because they ended up calling the album that. Uh-huh. So it's like, yeah, so, so until until McCartney really brings in Let It Be, like they're working on two of us, which ended up being, you know, that ended up being a banger. Uh what else what else are they sort of are they they tossing around at that point? Uh, don't let me down. Obviously, they keep coming down. back to that. Lennon but, brings in across the universe. That, yeah, when they were doing across the universe in that, playing that as a full band, like what with McCartney like harmonising over that, like that, you know, that mid late bit. It was a nice little tease because it was kind of like, oh, what it could have been. 
what it could have been exactly and it's a classic song and, and and if you haven't heard the version of across the universe on let it be naked which i know you have mm. it's, it's it's an exceptional but again um, i, th- I think that might just pretty much be the same version but they've just taken the the the, the warble speed up thing off it because like the, the the single version sounds yeah it's chip monkey because the tape is sped up uh, i think the let it be naked version is pretty much just that right um I mean, let it be naked, really. All they really did was just change the long and winding road a bit. And, you know. <laughs> and make the, tra- the track order is, a bit better. The, you know, let's not, let's not start getting sucked down that rabbit hole. Um, so in, in addition to some of the major moments, oh, another major moment, of course, is that that we both looked at each other and we're like, we have to bring this up. Yeah. That argument that Paul and John had yes. via the mic boom. Yeah. Where... Like it was like so like they cut he come they come in and they're sort of having a private chat yeah where Paul's like oh John have you written any songs and he's like no I haven't gotten he's like oh you haven't <laughs> yeah. and then and then at that point I think the mic swings over they yeah. kind of realize they're being observed click into uh into they like go they medium, go into uh, they go into their help characters basically <laughs> right. and then they're looking up at this mic and they're not looking at each other and like what is it it's, he's like going like he's like well when are you gonna write them then and he's like oh they're, they're, yeah they're, they're and they're they're ribbing each other and it's almost it's it's very passive aggressive it's incredible in, the, in that they're saying what they genuinely want to say to each other behind the mask of these like weird characters that they're in, putting on in their characters and everyone else around them they're sort of trying to make them laugh but actually also just be like why haven't you written any bloody songs yeah <laughs> like, it's almost like that co- they could not not have that conversation yeah and it just came out in this incredibly strange yeah passive aggressive sly um it's weird that, veiled way but not even, yeah not even not even veiled very well very well but no. that's the thing i think that's another artifact of just this absurd artificial environment they're in in that when they first start having that conversation he's like you haven't really it's like, oh you haven't it's almost like he wants to be like you know is everything all right like yeah but then when the mic swings over the lights come on and they realize there's 20 people watching that's when it's like it's a game show all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, and here's a live odd. studio audience. It's and it, very yeah. odd. There's a lot of great. Just, I mean, I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna have to watch that about ten more times. Mm. You know, over the years, and I want. I'm really looking forward to seeing as well, like what other um, Beatles types have picked up on. You know, because obviously we'll have picked up on our thing, like the, whatever we've seen. But you know, there's a lot of eagle-eyed people out there who mm. are going to put things together. But it's just so kind of. Yeah, it's just so weird, like, and cool seeing them just, like, arrive at the studio and just wander in and, like, get their mug of tea bought over and, like... Seeing them do normal things. Just normal person things, yeah. Weirdly fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... Just watching them exist. And just the little micro-interactions they're having with and each other. And the micro-aggressions. Micro-aggressions, yeah. So that's a point... So let's return to the maybe the central premise of, you know, the original Let It Be film is sort of said to be quite a kind of dour affair showing the breakup of a band. Certainly from what I've seen so far, while it's not completely that, it certainly isn't a band firing on all, all cylinders no. either, is it? No, and it's, it seems to be the, 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 the gradual degradation of relationships. Yeah. 
within the band. And it's yeah. not it's not a whole band falling out. No. It's it's key players just just rubbing up this, just rubbing against it's each caustic, other. It's caustic, isn't it? It's yeah. quite like well, I mean, there was it's, that... It's fric- you know, There's a lot of friction. Maybe this was in anthology or this was known about that line of George Harrison saying to Paul, like, well, I'll play whatever you want me to. If you don't want me to play anything at all, I won't play. Like, that line I'd heard, to hear the wider context around that was really interesting, actually. Yeah. And, like, Paul, he's aware that he's being, like, a bit hectoring. But he says, he's like... You're like, well, I'm doing it because no one else is. And like, he just wants it to be good. Yeah. And he wants people to knuckle down. But it's interesting. We're kind of seeing, like, as each Beatle becomes, like, comfortable on their own, like, we're seeing John and Yoko very much like they were the unit until John's death. Paul and Linda. I don't know if that was literally the start of their relationship or whether there was some off-screen, you know, before that. It felt fairly new. It felt new, yeah. But I don't don't know if that day where she shows up as the photographer is literally the day they met or if they met before that. But either way, you know, Paul was then with Linda for years and years and years. George Harrison, you know, went off and did his own thing for a bit and then basically just hung out tending to his massive garden for the rest of his life. And like, you know, Ringo did covers of standards like we're almost seeing them enter their like they've stopped being the fab four and they're becoming the solo years beatles yeah and they've got enough of their own personal wealth i mean at the very end of the episode that it cuts to a picture of ringo's house oh what and, a house and you can and what a house but you can <clears> see why they are not that unit that they used to be because yeah. they all have their own wealth. Yeah. They're all very much living... Living around the home counties, you know. Right, and yeah, and they've got these, you know, they're not sleeping in bunk beds or whatever in Hamburg anymore. Yeah, Those, yeah, yeah. They, they, they've spent, probably at this point, spent more years away from that than they were in that. Yeah. In that close-knit... Um, uh, hand to what was the hand to hand mouth, to mouth yeah. um, sort of starving artist thing, which is of course what bonded them and gave them that great chemistry and that rapport yeah. and that sense of humor because they'd got each other through quite quite hard, difficult times, probably where they would probably like argue over where did that chocolate bar come from? Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. That <laughs> I know, Black Flag. <laughs> Did that? What they had some tents early days. Yeah, when they were touring, they were Lord of the Flies. Right, they were so poor. Apparently, there was one of them got given a a chocolate bar or something, and he ate it um, away from the guys, and he came back in with a bit of chocolate on his mouth or something, and he got oh my god, got got interrogated as to where did that come from? Yeah, where'd the money for that come from? Um, That's true. So they they would have had their early days, and at this point, you know, they've probably each got an ash someone employed to hold their ashtrays you know <laughs> so how are they supposed to be but, this, yeah. this 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 unit this strong unit all firing on the same uh, off the set or on the same wavelength mm. when they live such separate separate lives I mean, yeah. the, they've got all this money and that's relatable they can relate to each other that they've got these big houses and they live these strange like opulent lifestyles possibly mm. but that in a, in a way will be very um very isolating in some ways yeah and yeah but like you said that they're at different points in their life now so that like you said like you said linda's in their 
They go on to be married for a long time. Ringo's wife is in there. Mm. Um, John and Yoko. And so they're all becoming, I don't know if the word they're, is family men, but mm. they're, they're, they're settling down maybe a little bit. Yeah. They're in a different point in their personal lives. Exactly. And they're at different, very different points as artists. Mm. And it feels to me like, like you were saying with George hanging out with the band and it being very collaborative, they're working as a band, whereas the Beatles at this point is a collective of uh, is, is a collective of um, extraordinary artists. Yeah, who have to figure out how to yeah uh, how to funnel all of that ego, all of those ideas, all of that inspiration, and each one of them having a different idea as how it should be. Mm. They have to somehow, via committee, make a cohesive album. Yeah. Um, yeah, at this point, they're a collective of um, basically solo musicians. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. But, like, the, I think that, that, yeah, that's definitely fair to say in, in terms of, like, the way the material is being written and bought in. But I, I, I still see some great bandy instincts in there yeah. as well, you know. Um, Let's just address how that ended, with, you know, with George leaving it. So, yeah, he 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 goes, I think, to John. Basically, they sort of seem to be finishing up a take or something, and then they go, like, oh, let's go to lunch. Feels like they're at the end of the day. I think they say, let's go to lunch. And then George just picks up his guitar, I think puts his guitar in a case, picks up the guitar case, and he goes, well, I'll be leaving now then. And then and then John goes leaving See you what? the clubs <laughs> leaving what and he goes I'll be leaving the band now, and then it's kind of kind of all cuts and then there's again a little bit of that was another janky edit I noticed where I think they had like a tape recording playing it was over slow mo wasn't it it was I think a looped slow mo something partially animated it may have even just been those three you know having a chat about something else on a completely different day who even knows but. Yeah, and then he just sort of disappears, and then there's a it kind of there's that crazy jam, which I, I I said to you, I thought that was just them basically like processing their grief as a group because yeah. at that point, like obviously we know the story and we know he comes back in a few days, but like I have to say, when it came up on the end there, and it goes, you know, they had a meeting on the Sunday. The meeting did not go well. At this point, I was like, "Well, what if he doesn't rejoin?" <laughs> like it was that. What are they going to do? It's that compelling, yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah. It's it, and it doesn't even come across as like a diva move. No, because he doesn't. He it, it's the complete opposite of a diva move. Because he doesn't want everyone to see. He doesn't want to flounce out. He doesn't want to kick over an amp. He's just like. And then it shows his diary entry. Went to Twickenham today. Had some lovely lunch left the Beatles it's like <laughs> yeah. he's just so over being fab isn't yeah. he like yeah but I do I do feel sorry for George Harrison in, in this I, and like I said to you a bit earlier in the thing in, in, in the episode I, I turned to you and I said this does seem like healthy communication so instead of Paul sitting on yeah, his... Paul was the healthiest communicator, wasn't right. he? Right, and he, but he, I feel like he made, at least within the narrative that we've been given with this edit, yeah, which I believe is probably... It seems pretty complete. I mean, the amount of stuff they've included that's quite mundane, Yeah, I don't think there's any firebombs they've cut out, really. Right. I think we're seeing a pretty fair picture. Yeah, and he says, you know, oh, I, I feel like when I say these things to you that you feel I'm... 
I'm paraphrasing here, but like, mm. you know, he said like, when I'm saying this to you, I feel like you feel I'm squashing you down or, mm. or um, getting on your case or, or being too nitpicky or being hypercritical or, or whatever. But he's being very honest with his communication to him. And instead of swallowing it and sitting on it and being passive aggressive or, making comments or soaking it up for a week and, what, and just leaving the band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's saying, he's essentially saying, I love you, man. Like, yeah, you know, and I don't want you to feel like I'm this guy, but we're trying to, we've got two weeks. There's all this stuff around us that we're paying for. Mm. All these people watching the greatest band in the world mm. and nothing's happening. And you're sat, he's just sat there not playing very good stuff. Yeah. And at one point, it was like, yeah, we should get Eric Clapton on this, which is interesting because it's either it's either saying, I haven't got the ability to to realise this vision, yeah, or he's already spiritually checking out. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think in some ways, like, it's just a kind of humility thing in that he's like, he has this sort of distinctive guitar sound. And, it, it, you know, Eric is Eric Clapton is so, like, fluid as a player. Whereas George, I wouldn't necessarily describe his playing as fluid in the early until he sort of got started doing that slide stuff. Like mm. it was quite kind of like banjo esque, like chicken picking kind of stuff almost. So maybe it's just him being humbling. Like no, like I know what we're after, and it's out of my control. Like it almost takes quite a bit of humility to do that. Mm. But then at the same time, it, acid at this it point is to have removed his ego. From the situation. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but then it is also like, you know, he's the one trying to bring in these outside influences like Eric Clapton and Billy Preston, who, you know, he's spoken about that he hasn't shown up yet, but he's been referenced a few times, you know. Um, I, I guess just to, I don't know, maybe get his compositions taken a bit more seriously. I know with my, yeah. well, my guitar gently weeps, he said that. Like the 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 early takes again, paraphrasing. Like the early takes, you know, they weren't the other Beatles weren't quite kind of giving it their all. And then when Eric Clapton shows up, you know, hot daddy Clapton, best guitar player in London, <laughs> all of a sudden everyone's locked in and they get the take, you know. Yeah. So it's like, and I don't know. I I, I guess like maybe that's what you know. Like if is it the, 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 he's been in California smoking weed all summer people coming in and out of jams maybe it's like well why does it just have to be us for you know yeah that's um, a good point that is a good point because i always end up having to play this fender six bass while you do you know yeah but but i don't know i feel like in some ways as well like he could like if he they just left him alone he probably would have got there what as a songwriter? Well, as in like when he's trying to figure these parts out and paul's saying yeah so yeah, perhaps yeah, yeah. that's the friction is that he's thinking well, normally we've got six months and we get there. Yeah, or however yeah, long yeah. they take, but they've got two weeks. I see what and you Paul's mean. Paul's like, whoosh, whoosh, oh, we want, we need brilliance now. I mean, to be fair, that that's that's an interesting observation actually. And I would say George Harrison is the Beatle with the most contrast between his demos and finished songs. He definitely is like. Like he chips away at it, you know what I mean. You end up you like with a sculpture. You start with a big old hunk of rock. Mm. You gradually it will then take its form, and then you over like an iterative process, it finds it. Like, yeah, maybe he's he's just like, well, I'm not going to come up with, with the part here and now in this room, mm. but let me in this piss aircraft about, hangar like yeah. space with 
not a lot in it. Yeah. And lots of people wandering around. Exactly. But it's like, let me piss around for a couple of weeks and we'll I'll I'll find it, you know. It doesn't have a couple of weeks. But they don't have And that. they want 14 songs. I love that. that that's One a, a day. That's a bit where Ringo says, he's like talking to the director, I think, at the beginning. And, and he's like, so how long are we going to have us here for? And uh, he's like, oh, about two weeks, I'd have thought. And he's like, and he's like, two weeks? It's like, they need that long. It's like, they're coming up with 14 songs. And he's like, he's like, he's like, God, a song a day? That's decadent, isn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> which is madness. But yeah, and you know, obviously, Please Please Me, you know, not the songs obviously weren't written in that time as well, but they did that in a day. Three sessions, you know, three hours break, three hours break, three hours break, and it was done, like... Yeah. Oh, and also, I mean, I, I, we, we need to do need to wrap this up soon, but... <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in this episode. Glyn Johns, you and I have had a discussion lately. I don't think Glyn Johns' mixes of Let It Be are that good. And I think the super deluxe things that come out have actually proved that the whole like, Phil Spector ruined it thing just isn't really the case. I mean, but anyway, that's a side note. <laughs> Glyn Johns... He gets involved in the arrangement sometimes, doesn't yeah. he? Well, they've nearly got it. Like that Let It Be thing where they're sort of doing like the the the, the transition into the solo and they're kind of going like, ding, 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 ding. It just sort of falls to shit a bit. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 you need to do it like this. And he's like, and that little bit where, you know, there's a, he, there's a few bits where Glyn kind of contributes and when Paul's working on the lyrics for Long and Winding Road and Mal's kind of helping him scribe and just just sort of generally being, I think, a sort of, layman's ear maybe i get yeah. the sense he has kind of that role and good moral support yeah well. like you know he's been with him for it all and then that's that bit where he goes where paul is like why keep me waiting here and he goes like he's like no i think standing's better <laughs> and it's and, and paul but paul takes it you yeah. know because and and so i think yeah although in some ways they were becoming kind of insular and 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 more their own entity in another way they're more collaborative than ever so i think this might return us to the original point of the beatles story is just far more complex that even if every day since 1958 had been filmed in 4k as an outsider we just never fully understand it i think even though this is about as, as close as we're going to get to the source they are still just layers of mystery and enigma to how yeah. they tick. And they're, and they're, f- uh, they're four young men. Oh, with an, they're so with, young. With an awful lot on their shoulders as yeah. well. You know, just looking at Ringo's house, you go, oh, because we think, oh, they're in the Beatles and they've got all this money. Life must be so easy and everything yeah. just happens for them. But you can see there's a moment when they buy the Northern... So, is it Northern Songs? Uh, do they, uh, yeah, I catalog. don't quite understand that. And there's a business meeting going on at the yeah. side and the guy's saying, that when, now we own this, we need to start repressing this. We can put out, um, I guess it's sort of like tablature books. or um, That was it, wasn't it? They were saying they were going to put out sheet music. Sheet but, yeah. music. Which you see in music shops all the time. You see thematic. Yeah. Be- you know, you see a book of Beatles songs or a book of Led Zeppelin riffs. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. And that's what they're talking about. Mm. Um, or some of what they're talking about, but they've they're forming Apple. That and, and and there's so much going on. Yes, a big house is lovely, but with a big house comes big house problems, big house problems, yeah. and big house it's a bills. Lot of drains to arrange to be clean, doesn't <laughs> <Right>. it? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, if you've got a huge garage, you probably need four cars, so it doesn't yeah. weird. 
It's funny, actually, like thinking about like, you know, them talking about money and that. I love how much of a salty, frugal northern man George Harrison is. Like <laughs> when they're talking about like going to Libya and getting boats and that. When he's like, well, how much is all that going to cost? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just want to like pause it, yeah, climb like, into the screen and go, you know, just remember you're in the Beatles. Yeah. Anything you want can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So in, so in some ways, I think this film kind of like, preserves the myth a little bit but at the same time you just see that they're just a bunch of scouse oiks in their 20s who were just like how the fuck have we ended up here you know and just not knowing what to do next i mean they were the first if there was you know if you were if you were to get to that height now there's a template do you know what i mean but back then they were just at the vanguard the cutting edge and like yeah Having to they, they're just people they they're just people at the end of the day and i think yeah they, they that simultaneously shows them as untouchable rock gods but also yeah just tea drinking british boys you know yeah and and fallible yeah which is very interesting because well i think we you know a lot of beatles material other than maybe let it be in some of their earlier stuff mm. the, a good chunk of their catalog is is often regarded as untouchable perf- perfection yeah um and you can see that um it took a lot lot to get there i think Mm. a lot of hard work i think it would be cool to end this with some predictions for episode two what do you feel like we're gonna see in episode what are we gonna see so i believe so what we were left with was the meeting did not go well cliffhanger I, as I understand it, that meeting did not go well, and then there was a subsequent meeting that did go well, and then they end up leaving Twickenham and going to Savile Row. But I'm not; I'm a little hazy on the timeline. Right. So, we, do you think maybe some demands were made by Harrison? I think absolutely. And I th- they went I think, okay, and he went. I want to get. I think I'm pretty sure that was Eric in. As far as I know, the demands were fuck Twickenham. Bring in, bring in Billy Preston, and we're not going abroad. Right. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. And you could argue that even though he may have been failing on the musical front, those decisions that he'd have to leave the band and then demand before he, he would go back in, leaving Twickenham, bringing in Billy Preston, could have saved the day. Those, it, those could be decisions that yeah. if the boys had just turned to him and went, you know, I think George is right. All of that could have been avoided. Yeah. And, you know, it does... It, George, in, in in hindsight, has seemed to have been painted as the Beatle that kind of really knew what was going on. and mm. was pretty on it and pretty smart and sharp, but didn't always open his mouth. Yeah. And if he did, wasn't always listened to. He had the bass player personality, didn't he? <laughs> right. Yeah. The wry observer in the shadows. Yeah, but necessarily, you know, they always say sort of like, you know, um, was it the quietest people have the loudest minds? And I think mm. to, to a degree, that does um, that does apply to him. There's a, there's a Zen though in the spirituality about him that the others yeah. the others don't quite have. He seems to have for retained... a guy who's meditated a lot. He's quite pissed off, isn't right? He? But he doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. There's a there's a strange. Maybe Zen isn't the the word, but there's this. He, I don't know. He sort of carries what, himself in a in a. Oh, I don't know. It's almost like he's a bit too. Um, 
he, he's a little bit too considerate for his own good at times, mm. maybe. And and then instead of where he should have just vocalized what he was feeling because he was right. Yeah. Um, or defended himself a little more, possibly. Um, he's he's turned in on himself. Mm. And um Yeah, I mean, there was that whole sequence where it's like, I think John and Paul were sort of polishing off I've got a feeling I don't know I mean, we're, I've just been barraged with it now it's already going a bit hazy but they're sort of polishing and they're kind of really quite tightly working together you're like oh shit it's that Lennon McCartney they're doing it you know they're getting there and then George is just sort of loosely lazily flicking his guitar along sat by Ringo's bass drum not really looking at anyone and he looks and it, utterly despondent yeah he? he's just staring off it, like it's almost like he's just he's already like i think it might actually literally be after they've kind of wrapped up i think that might even be when he leaves yeah yeah it looks like the it's a serious look at his eye yeah anyway let's leave it there for now if you've been watching the beatles get back on disney plus if you disagree with any of our hot takes if we've made any factual inaccuracies, I'm sure there will be many. Yeah. Uh, get in those comments. Put us right. Let us know what you think. What weird little things did you pick up on? You know, did you notice the colour of George Harrison's mug? You know, you want the same sandwich as John. Great coats all round, wasn't it? That was something we did pick up on. Great I didn't coats see all round. A jacket or a coat that wasn't exceptional. Yeah, amazing stuff. But yes, time will now pass for us, but no time at all will part for you, it will pass for you. And we'll talk to you after we have watched part two of The Beatles. Get back, get back. Hello and welcome back to our Beatles chat, our Beatles get back after show, I guess we could mini call it. Series. Mini it's series. It's a mini series. <laughs> um, basically, if you haven't seen part one, part one is available. It's some preambles, some predictions in part one. And then uh, a seamless transition into our thoughts about episode one of get back um at the end of episode one we were left with a cliffhanger weren't we yeah we were left on that cliffhanger so basically george leaves the group and then they go and have that meeting at ringo's with his lovely big house and then it just goes the meeting does not go well and and then we had to wait you know, whatever it was, 24 hours to see the next part, which was just agonising, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I just kind of just wanted to keep going with I it, get really. why they didn't put all three parts out on one day. Yeah. Because but it's I, a lot to I, digest. But I would have done. <laughs> I would, in a single sitting. Yeah. And I think a lot of other Beatles-inclined people in our life would do the same yeah. if they had, you know, the time off work and could do so, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so the, the big cliffhanger was George leaving. I mean, obviously... The spoiler is in the fact that the Let It Be album did come out and yeah. also Abbey Road. So it's not like there's a complete element of mystery. No. But I certainly don't know in like how they get him to come back. Like it's, it's the same, like, you know, there's the story of Ringo leaving the band for a bit and he sort of comes, but I don't really know what went down in order to make that happen. So do you um, think we're going to find this out in part two? I hope so. Or maybe well, we... it's just one of those things that just happened at one of their houses and it's kind of something they're gonna to have to kind of read in between the lines a bit um it, it might be told via if they if they exist it might be told. a lot of this story narrative if there is a narrative mm. I, I think i guess there is it's just it's just um 
it's not spoon fed to you. You just pick up the pieces as you go along. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of it's through little hot mic moments, isn't it? And yeah, and, and like people talking over a cup of tea in the corner. Yeah, um, yeah. And so you get you kind of get the office gossip. What else do you think we're going to see in part two? Well, we we've already heard Billy Preston like referred to in conversation, not even to as, as a potential person to play in the band at that point, but. You know, in part one, I think George is saying that he saw him playing on the telly or at some festival and how, you know, these days... Oh, he was, he was with Little Richard when they were in Hamburg. Oh, that was it. So they, he was with Little Richard in Hamburg and then George had seen him again playing with Ray Charles, either in person or on the TV. That's right. And Billy had ended up taking on a lot of that, those parts. But at that point, they weren't, they weren't talking about getting him into the band. They were just you know they'd heard of his keyboard skills basically and you know had a bit of a relationship um so i'm sure we'll see him end up end up in the you know playing with them he's definitely there by the rooftop so he's got to show up at some point hasn't he yeah that's what i was gonna say he's he's on the album isn't he yeah and he's at the rooftop show yeah so it's inevitable so it's either part two or three it's quite interesting seeing something play out where you know the major beats of the story already yeah I've not experienced this to, for a, I don't know, maybe, like you see films, don't you, when they do, uh, they sort of, in historical films, mm. when you know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's interesting to see how they get there. And there's that tension of, oh, when is so-and-so going to come in? You know this? the Nazis get defeated in the end. Right. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's like the the the, the major beats, although you know those bits... There's still so much intrigue in like, like, but when they're in a sort of particularly dark bit, you know that it, it, they come out of it, and that almost makes it more interesting. Because yeah. you're like, well, how are they going to recover this? You know, right. like, um, I mean, presumably when they leave Twickenham, like, you know, and they're not in that massive air hangar and sat on uncomfortable chairs and stuff that'll get the juices flowing a bit more. But this certainly doesn't look like a group that's ready to deliver an album or, no. a, or, or a gig, a, a anything really. Nothing. It's just so loose. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, most of them can't even show up at the same time. They can't show up on time. They can't go like more than about a whole verse without one of them doing a ridiculous ad lib. And then it just descends into them doing voices, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's a, a lot of... Um, I mean, Paul's got, he's got a lot of voices he likes to crack out, hasn't he? Yes, he um, does. And then John will start shouting. And then before you know it, there's just like Ringo's just sat at the back, just like, I just want to play the drums. And I, <laughs> he just looks, he just looks sad because he's happiest when he's drumming, but there's nothing for him to drum on yet, yeah. really, is there? Right. So, um, so there we go. So I reckon that sums up uh, what we thought of part one and what we think about what we think will be in part two. Yeah. Bit of Billy Preston, hopefully. George coming back somehow. Somehow. Um, a studio change. A studio change. Well, that'd be interesting to see how that's set up again and what's in that. Yeah. Um, some more great coats. Some more great coats. Some more gossip. More gossip. Maybe some more passive-aggressive. Oh, I hope so. I, I, I like those bits. Um, and certainly more Yoko. Yeah. I will uh, I will reserve my comment on that. I think that her contributions to the various Beatles jams over the years speak for themselves. <laughs>
are we? Two and a half hours have passed. We've not moved from our, our it's not, spot. It's not. three, isn't it? It's nearly, always three. Nearly three, two, this one. Two hours, 50-something, this one. Yeah, I that's think. true, actually. I mean, it just comes over in such a wash, and it still feels short, I have to say. Yeah. But uh, I, I did actually have to start taking notes for this, because this one was sort of coming so thick and fast. Yeah. But um, there was a few things that I just thought, if I don't make a note of that, I'm going to forget it. But I mean, what, what's your overall impression of this episode? Straight off the bat, much more harmony. And I don't mean, it, well, I mean, possibly in a musical sense as well, but definitely in terms of group dynamic and relationships, more harmony in this episode than in the last one. Yeah, everyone's getting on a lot better, aren't they? And like that, I feel like that, that they do, you know, they change over to Apple and it's a much more, you know, living room vibe like it's sort of their little messy castle, isn't it? But it doesn't, it's, it's, you know, it's a London townhouse, not some massive shed. So it just feels yeah, a bit more like a sort of normal working environment rather than a weird workaround. Yeah, and, it, and you can tell that um, although the that meeting that we discussed with, uh, we discussed beforehand with George, yeah. we said we weren't sure how that narrative was going to play out, how that yeah. news would be delivered to us that they'd had a conversation, he was back in the band. That's the one where they said that cameras weren't allowed in, is that right? Yeah, so I think there was, I, I think if I remember, on the, uh, the end of part one, they were talking about the meeting at Ringo's house on the Sunday. Sunday, which did not go well. And then at the beginning of part two, they're talking about how George has gone back up to Liverpool and then I think they get him on like the Monday or something after he's back. Again, that's at his house. Right. And then I believe the following day, possibly, that is the um that's the first day at Apple. But yeah, no cameras are allowed in. So we see we see at that point the Beatles entering the building. We see those Apple scruffs there as well, actually, which is quite a cool little thing. Yeah. Um I don't want to digress too much, so I should pop a pin in what I was just saying. But that bit where the Apple scruffs are being asked about what they think about Yoko, and you'd expect of anyone, you know, these rabid super fans to kind of like be slinging mud at her. But one of them goes like, well, I don't think it's anyone else's business except them's really. <laughs> and it's just like, and, and then the director just goes, or whoever's filming just goes like, yeah, there's some other good answer, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, right. They, but yeah, they both we, look we, like Yoko. They do. They both sort of, yeah. They sort of styled herself. I mean, maybe that's just the sort of the sixties fashion. That sort of, yeah. Um, but yeah, we see all the Beatles arriving at Apple. But I don't think there's any filming in the building that day. And then the next day, it's kind of almost as if nothing's happened. We see each of them arrive. Like we see Paul come in and throw his. That's coat a cool segment of them arriving. Great it's car, kind of amazing. like a montage. Yeah, little montages coming of, in, and then the suits getting there and that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and they've all got really nice cars yeah i mean they're 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 men that have taste Mm. aren't they at this point they've got money and that but but because you have money doesn't mean you have taste yeah these all have taste they know what a great car is they pick a nice looking house yeah um their clothes are great they just know what's going on they know what's up yeah they certainly did have like more extravagant purchases they made like sort of John Lennon had that Rolls Royce that was all psychedelic and that wasn't it which is it's kind of cool but I wouldn't describe it as classy necessarily <laughs> but yeah I think George shows up in like a white Mercedes or something yeah, it, kind of, it, kind of, it looks like the sort of car you'd see like a Cuban dictator driving around <laughs> in but yeah they all just look so cool and he's got that he's wearing that like massive black hat and yeah kind of looking like the Grim Reaper and it's like yeah he's he's back and as soon as they're kind of all in the studio, it kind of seems like 
They had the blowout. George fucked off up to Liverpool for the weekend. And then they just sort of sorted it out and got on with it. Yeah, it kind of feels like they hit the reset button. Mm. And the air was cleared. And quite obviously, George had some demands or stipulations yeah. that he wanted. Um, and one of those would have probably been, let's get the fuck out of Twickenham. Yeah. I mean, actually, that's that's the point. I mean, before they did leave Twickenham, you know, we shouldn't gloss over the part of the episode that's the sort of unproductive bits at Twickenham where George isn't there. Yeah. And like one bit that particularly struck me was when they're all the sort of sat around. I think it's just Ringo and Paul because uh, John hasn't arrived yet. And That's right. Late, and, I think I know where you're going. Yeah. And Paul goes like, and then there were two, which really struck me, you know, because obviously they're the only two surviving ones now. And like mm. they both look really sad. But also he's just sort of doing his McCartney thing and having a bold idea talking about like, you know, doing their news bulletin he's like you know we got news from all over the world and then we actually see the pictures from where it is and he's just sort of you know going off being paul he says oh we get we get the best news readers the the best newsmen (laughs) (laughs) from all over the world uh yeah and 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 then apparently he was saying that there's a song between each thing and then some news or something so they play between each news bulletin and then he was saying the final bulletin is the beatles are broken up and it's like you see like almost like a little shock because I think it's almost the first time anyone has kind of fully said out loud that the complete dissolution of the band is very much on the cards at that point. Yes. And like they they both just look like Ringo literally like, you know, staring up at the ceiling. There's there's a really sad few days. Yeah. And then... Um, that is interesting because when he says that, you can tell that even he's like, once he's verbalized that even he's like, Oh, a bit, a little bit from yeah, it. kind of like he's put because you think, oh, oh, he's being a little bit not facetious, but he's just being a little bit proddy, yeah, and a little bit like defeatist, maybe, or just trying to. It's weird how they communicate, isn't it? Because again, he's delivered something really important and quite destructive or damning, yeah wrapped up in a little bow, isn't it? It's he? just at the tail end of a classic McCartney flight of fancy. Yeah. And then just this bomb hits you. And you can almost feel just all the oxygen leave the room. Yeah. Just some, just, I, I, you know, you're not there, you're not in the vibe, but you at this point, this the way this documentary is cut and put together, you're just immersed in it and you're just sort of there, aren't you? Yeah. And when he says it, you just kind of like, people kind of squirm a little bit. Like, yeah. It's just not, it's, it's not a it's good like, moment. Oh, don't do that. But also that probably might happen at this yeah. point. But then, you know, uh, there's there's that pretty miserable few days. But then when they get to Apple and there's that bit where they keep reading, There's a, they, they, they return to this a few times actually, where one of them will be reading an article about the Beatles in a silly voice. And I think on that first day there, John is reading that like, George Harrison was caught of uh, assaulting a photographer outside a nightclub, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like, it's it's immediately they're just larking around again. And there's that bit where Paul is reading that one about how like, it's only due to their finances that they haven't broken up. And, right. and he's saying like, they all lead entirely separate lives and all this. And they're all four of them sat around reading this, laughing it, laughing yeah. at it. And it's just like any attempt for an outside source to try and kind of encapsulate them. They're just like, no, you got that wrong, haven't you? And it is interesting though, because they are the four most famous, four of the most famous people on the planet at that point. Yeah. 
And they're all famous in their own right. They're yeah. all famous because they're Beatles, but they're all famous in their own right because, like like we were talking about in the last episode, they've all got their little caricature bits. Yeah, definitely. And that was part of the marketing, wasn't it? Mm. Um, so it's interesting. It must be strange for them because they come in, they go to work and they sit down and there they are in the national newspapers and they just read out loud about each other. It's a weird office to be in, isn't it's, it? Yeah. And it's I, not... Um, it's not it's not normal it's at not all, normal. is it? It's and, not a normal And it's existence. almost like them sort of, they just, they're like mocking it, all kind of, you know, reading it in silly voices and laughing along in that. But it must also at the same time be weird to just have this other version of you that exists in people's minds, whereas you're just there, you know, consuming what we've seen is a tremendous amount of tea and toast loads just loads. going about your life and it must be very odd trying to reconcile like reconcile the your sort of press character with who you feel you are yes and i guess the four of them are the only ones who understand what it's like because yeah. they knew each other before and they know in which ways they are misrepresented yeah so they can apply that to the others and it's almost like they're back in apple and just like bonding over how no one gets them and I think it's actually quite a nice yeah. moment, really. It's sort of like, they're almost like, um, they're at a point in history where the only people who have that kind of experience with the press that often are politicians. Politicians, royalty. El- yeah. Royalty, Elvis Presley. Yeah. Um, and even he, I mean, you know, America's just not the same, really, is it? Like, it's yeah. so big that, like, yeah, you, you can sort of still find anonymity. Whereas, you know, in the UK, we're such a sort of, we're all kind of on top of each other a bit, aren't we? Yeah, yeah a little bit. Um, um, yeah, so it's kind of odd that, they're, you know, they're experiencing this very strange fame. Yeah, and they were the first and, and you know, kind of the last as well to have it in that way. Magnitude, And yeah. just, just the extent to which, it, it, it wasn't just the intensity, it was the duration as well, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Some people were that famous for six months. I mean, the, no I mean yeah, both me and you were born in the bloody 90s, yet here we are talking about them. Yeah. You know? um, and here we are in 2021, and there's a film coming out over them. And you know, I appreciate we move in Beatles circles, so we're yeah. obviously very excited, and it feels like it's a massive thing. But, you know, I think it is a big thing. It is a big thing. And the fact that they're still doing it, it's, um, they're it, still making it, and there's demand for it. I just, yeah. It really is amazing, and I don't think there's ever going to be another act that captures lightning in a bottle in quite the same way because mm. it's been as george harrison says in the uh simpsons episode that he appears in oh it's been done you know <laughs> they did it yeah they've done it already so what else is there for another band to come and do afterwards yeah and you're right and if it isn't a big moment for um music in general or if there's no interest in it for for its content it's a big landmark moment technologically it's a big tv moment yeah i mean we're going to be seeing you know presume you know you see trickle down effects of all this stuff you know like uh, uh, doing digital extraction 15 years ago of instruments would be a crazy idea and it would have cost millions and now you know i can do it in a pack of software that costs 200 quid you Mm. know so eventually this sort of stuff is going to start filtering down to normal people, you know, and, and other filmmakers and to, to, to see what could be done with it. Who knows what other stories, you know, forget the Beatles, forget music, anything in the world, how much dusty footage that's a bit naff do you think with a bit of TLC could actually be 
reused to tell a really interesting story. Yeah, the, the we could be we could be looking at a whole new not a genre but possibly a subgenre or yeah. a, or a, a new style of uh, documentary. Mm. Um, and yet again, Beatles at the helm of it. I know I know there was World War One footage that Peter Jackson had previously worked on. Yeah, but to this magnitude mm. and to cut to couple that digital extraction with it as well yeah that whole package it's just like it's another first for the beatles yeah and it's 50 years on 50 years on and they're, they're still, still on the spear you know the tip of the spear for technology and mad. entertainment and the way it's consumed and how it's brought to you it's mad um yeah we've got lovely and poetic about the beatles there yeah I'm going to bring, us, I'm gonna bring us back down to earth to the beatles <laughs> get back part two but no i love it yeah but um Let's, let's look at your notes. Let's get back into my notes. Ah, I have written, seeing them receive different bits of gear. Doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but to, to guys like us, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. oh, what is that? And it, But it's also, I mean, even if, so it's I've written down, we see them get the Fender Rhodes, the Leslie, uh, the Lap Steel. Uh, yeah, no, it is a Lap Steel. Um, and then that Magic Alex instrument, which is a guitar on one side of the fretboard and a bass on the other. <laughs> and it's got no tuning pegs. But um, yeah, you're just seeing these things get bought in and they're just kind of excited by them and tinkering around with them and just sort of, you know, excited to get the new sound. But I mean, you know, seeing George Harrison take delivery of his Leslie, like that was like, that kind of came his sound almost from, you know, later on, didn't it? That sort of soaring Leslie warbly guitar thing—it's certainly all over the Let It Be album. So that is the birth of it. So it's the birth of a, a coupling, a famous yeah. marriage of of things there. Yeah, and, and like, he's he's sort of humbly bringing it in himself. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of gravity to that to that shot because that's all all over his solo and, stuff yeah, as well. And you know. no one knows it in the moment, not even him. No, exactly. It's but very we powerful. know, we yeah. know, and we see them. We see them get this Fender Rhodes, and we see them sort of poking around with it, and be, um, you know, they're 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 just sort of having fun with this like brand new bit of kit. And we know that, yeah, the electric piano solo mm. in Get Back, it's just pure filth, mate. And <laughs> and those keys will soon be spitting that out. Yeah, they don't know it yet. But they don't they know do. It. And it's just that it's know, like fan service in a film. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But it's but it's actually ha- like it's. It's, it's from real life. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's like that would have been like him bringing in that Leslie would have been a little Easter egg in the back yeah. of a Beatles biopic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're be, watching the real. The, the video for free as a bird, wouldn't it? Because that's <laughs> right. got loads of Easter eggs, hasn't it? Yeah, it'd be that sort of thing. But we're actually seeing the real thing. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. And I, do, I particularly love that thing. So when they get that. Uh, yeah, I want to be careful here because there's a pedal steel, slide guitar, and lap steel are all different things, and those in in that world get very upset if you mix up the two. So it's a lap steel, right? That kind of strange short guitar thing that they've got the the slide for, yeah. And I mean that just sort of became like like George Harrison and slide guitar just kind of go together, you know? That lap steel thing's all over. All things must pass, isn't it? And like that's another kind of really important part of him finding his sound and then when john is playing it on for you blue which again that's in my notes for you blue absolutely slaps yeah they're just dicking around all day barely getting anything done and then paul's on the piano playing a bass line ringo's on the drums 
John is playing the lap steel now, and George is singing and playing that Gibson J2000 acoustic, and like it just comes together so well. Mm. And like, I mean, I mean, everything else has been like kind of sloppy, but and like, but you know, with that, it's that just had a pocket, perfect pocket, the perfect tempo. It doesn't deviate at all, and like, yeah, just there's no bass guitar on it. It's kind of quite a strange instrumentation. Acoustic guitar, lap steel, piano, and drums. It's quite sparse and quite curious sounding, isn't it? It's yeah. Lots of little cu- curious... Look, boom, boom. It's sliding all over the place. Yeah, it's just fantastic. And yeah, it's just so cool. Like Literally, you see them get the lap steel and like they give it to George. And I think John goes like, oh, well, we've only bought him a cheap one. And if he gets any good, we'll buy him a better one. And then, you know, we know that he sort of became the slide guy. The so. slide guy. And I'm wondering if that is off the back of him, because he does come to the realisation in this documentary that as a lead guitarist, he's not much cop. Yeah, well, I, th- I think this what is he's... maybe the workaround where he could be that he... expressive lead instrument without having to... Mm. I mean, it's it's... I mean, the guitar having frets, it sort of limits how fluid you can be. And obviously, you know as he says himself people like eric can play very fluidly he's like oh you know he can just keep it on going you know i can't really do that mm. whereas with if you're using a slide and you've got some nice reverb and delay on it you can just bend all over the place and you can really sing a lot more and it's like i feel like you know whenever george harrison sings it's it's all in the little inflections isn't it it's very kind of slidey like you know like within you without you it's all these almost microtonal slides and stuff and which you very can't, melodic isn't he very melodic very expressive and in some ways the guitar being a fretted six string instrument kind of limits what you can do on that whereas a slide to me seems much more like you can kind of paint with it i've gone very wanky there but i, I no, think no, I know no, what no, I mean. no no i know exactly <laughs> what you mean it just yeah there's a complete freedom yeah it's beautiful. Um, what else was interesting? Oh, Billy Preston coming in. He does fold. indeed show up. And when they 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 he sits with them and they're kind of having a conversation that we know mm. is leading up to them going. So why don't you give it a shot with us? Yeah, he knows that they're talking about needing a piano player or a key keys player um, or an organ player, what, however they put it. Um, and he understands that he's been summoned to the studio, so he's not there to be asked um for uh, any recommendations of people he knows so there's a little look yeah. in his eye and he's kind of getting the idea oh i think they're gonna ask me but he's got to play it cool that's it yeah i i, I, I think you may have misremembered that slightly okay so i think what well, i think what it was because well my initial impression before we'd seen it was i thought that george had had said um like i'll i'll come back if we get billy in but that isn't the case. Right. So it, there was a little on-screen text when he shows up at first in his leather jacket that just said he was in London for some gigs and swung by the studio. Oh. But then the bit you're talking about is when he's talking to John and it becomes clear John's about to ask him to play on I the record. He was talking to Paul. No, I don't no, think so. I don't, I, mate, no. Uh, there's a moment where he's jamming with Paul. And then, oh, there's and a bit Paul where Paul very elated by it, very excited. They're loving it. Yeah, yeah. But there's that very first bit where he's just yeah, just um No, it is John, you're right. And he's talking so to John. Casual about because it. Because I it? I always thought it was George who had Billy. So that that's a, that's yeah. a let it be anthology myth busted there. It was busted. John who asked him to join. Right. But then yeah, I think there's um there's a bit with Paul where they're I think they're I think they're playing Get Back and then they do Don't Let Me Down. Obviously 
they both just come together completely and they just fall in. Yeah. Um, and I think at one point Paul goes over to Billy and he goes like, uh, he's like, just, just so you know, you are getting, you are getting paid for this. And Billy's like, he's like, oh, it's fine. Man. I, don't, I still want to talk money. And he's like, he's like, oh no, but you've been showing up every day. I just want you to know you are getting paid. Like, and it's just sort of quite, I don't know. It's quite an interesting moment. I mean, I'm, I ju- I'm, I'm, must... jump, I'm jumping around chronologically right. a bit now, but um... but what is great is that as the days progress and he gets more and more comfortable, he starts looking more like a damn beetle. Yeah, well, starts just look dressing more like a rock star. Yeah, you know, like or, or he... a rock star for a day or whatever. He he looks dapper. That mustard suit <laughs> is incredible, and and he, I mean, I mean. You know, I mean, forget Paul and the, uh, the all the guys in the band actually look happy once he's there, and they seem to be just really having fun, and they're grooving off like a different, uh, you know, a different kind of energy. Yeah. Um, but Billy himself cannot keep the fucking smile off his face, can he? He is just <laughs> so he just always looks like he's he's like won a competition. He's like, yeah. that's the Beatles, and I'm playing. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I, it, yeah, he's won the lottery. He's and won the lottery. But also, I mean, he's won the lottery. I mean, it, it's 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 being in the right place at the right time. But also, his playing is incredible, exquisite, and to be able to keep a cool head when you've just been asked to join the Beatles. I mean, yeah, he cracks a bit of a smile, but you know that I think is, smiles are allowed. Of of course, you're going to smile, you know, and yeah. it, and it, and it's. He really steps up to the plate in terms of his playing. He doesn't overplay, but it's not, none of them would ever do anything like that if they put them in front yeah, of the Yeah, he brings... He, he's Because they're... I mean, I, w- I wouldn't like to call Paul or John intermediate piano players. No, but they're self-taught, aren't they're they? Self-taught they're self-taught. And they're probably, vibe guys. Yeah, you know? and, and, they, and they, they write... They know enough to write a song and make it interesting without it just being chords. Yeah, um, but he brings in a more virtuosic, definitely strand. They, they can both. I think both John and Paul. I don't, you don't really see much George keyboard action, but I'm sure. I think he must do. A I'm bit sure here he could have done some. Um, both of them can vamp chords on pretty much any keyboard instrument quite well. So you know, they're, yeah, they're not just going pling. Playing, you know, they can do it. They can, you know, get a little groove going. A bling, 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 bling. Whatever suits the song. Yeah. But Billy, Billy's got licks. Yeah. Billy's got licks. He's got riffs. He's got feel and like. It, well, that's his first. You know, I'm assuming that's his first instrument. Like that's what he does. He's a key, a keys guy. Yeah, yeah definitely. But what John and Paul do, they, they, you know, they're split between various disciplines. Aren't exactly. They? I mean, them. Yeah, yeah. So he's been able to just be like, oh, this is what I do. He's got his corner, yeah, safely locked down, hasn't yeah. he? And you can just trust him. And it's not I, you. I mean, you see, I, 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 we didn't mention this in part one, but you see, get back the song literally being plucked out of thin air by Paul. He's just sat on bass. And then before you know it, get back is emerging from the ether. And we kind of see this getting built upon and built upon. And like Ringo hasn't found his beat and they haven't found those stabs yet. You know, the boom, boom. I'm pretty sure once Billy's there, they just sort of turn up and then the stabs are just sort of, it just, it becomes a record. It stops being a jam and becomes a record at that point. Yeah. It's it, it's um yeah it's, it's it, there's so much history just unfolding yeah before your eyes in so so many mythological beasts being born yeah that 
it's almost overwhelming. It's, it's so hard to intellectualize what you see. It's sometimes. so hard to take in. And like while we're talking, every five seconds, my brain goes, "Oh, here's another bit. Let's talk about that. Talk about that." And it's like, yeah. uh, you know, I've just realised that we haven't even mentioned the flower pot sequence yet. That was amazing. That was when it was like, okay, this is really getting interesting. Is is like their world is weird. A very weird. Yeah, the fact that that was a Gonzo weird. recording. Yeah, because they were weird. Because the environment was kind of weird, mm. but that was, and they, you know, they also also had issues. I guess they had to to iron out. But when they cut to that vase on the table, and it says that it was, there was a hidden microphone in the vase, it felt very sinister, didn't it? It did. I know what you mean. Like I know Truman what you mean. Show. It's a little bit, yeah. That yeah. they they can't, they don't have the option for privacy. But here we are listening to it. But at the same time. I'm so glad they did because it was so interesting to hear them being just so candid, and like John, they were kind of, they were kind of, there was a few themes that kept coming up, but they were like John. I felt was really fighting George's corner, being like, oh, you know, the other day we should have backed him up and we didn't, and and you know, various little nuggets that come out. Um, I think, I think they they they're both saying how they're just finding it really hard to lead the ship since Brian's died and kind of neither of them want to do it but Paul has to and Paul wants back up from John but John wants to back up George but it's just like such like a you realise what a horrible kind of mess they're in yeah. in that the Beatles train just has not stopped since it started Yeah, and Brian Epstein dying they kind of you know you can power off on kind of grief for a little bit they're almost in the kind of like I, don't, I, I I can't can't even find the words to describe what sort of phase they're in, yeah. but it's just a sort of like, what the hell do we do now? And yeah. I feel that's them being so honest and really understanding the situation they're in, but they're just like, we don't know either. Yeah. I, I don't know, I, and the, 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 as well, like the way they'd edited that with just some sort of stock footage in a sixties style canteen of a flower vase. Again, I just thought it was so powerful with the the, the blue text on that side of the screen and the green on the other, and it all being subtitled. I don't know, that sequence just really hit. Right. Um, yeah, because they didn't need to, because they could have just got a loop of them sat around with the coffee machine or whatever, and and, mm. or, and, and, and sort of like we've had, like we've seen before, where you know that it's not, you're seeing something yeah. and you're hearing something different. Well, you go, they've, they've slowed that shot down quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a good decision to remain trained on that flower pot. I think so, and it's really interesting because it's almost the it's almost the first artificial thing we've seen in the whole documentary up to that point, isn't yeah. it? Everything is so gonzo and candid, and now all of a sudden we have this quite beautifully shot, swoopy vase stuff over an old secret recording. Yeah, and all of the chairs are empty as well, and it mm -hmm. kind of just gives it this sort of like. It's a. It's that you're hearing an echo of the past, aren't you? It's like in. It's like in a game where you've got to find a load of cassettes through the world <laughs> that tell the story of how the dystopia came to be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some other notes I've made. Um, Glyn Johns is so essential. That's all I've written for that. But I think I know what I mean in that he's just he's the daddy, isn't he? He's keeping them on track. I yeah. mean, he's coming up with brilliant little arrangement nuggets here and there 
the sound that they're getting in Apple is incredible. Um, and yeah, I just, I just think he was so. I, I think he, up until that point, in most accounts, he'd been kind of portrayed as a bit of a hanger-on, maybe. Right. Whereas he's so instrumental to what's happening, isn't he? And he's not kissing any ass. No. You know, he's not that typical hanger-on where... He's telling them, no, don't do that. Do yeah. it like this. Yeah. He's, he's, um, he's, he's pretty cool. And they seem to respect what he has to say. And he's not interjecting. No. All the time. He's not trying to... to take a spot as um the producer or yeah. whatever he's not stepping on george's uh, george martin's toes yeah. really he's i don't know if it's an executive producer i well, don't know I, what I the think, role would be i don't know well so on let it be the final one that did come out he's not credited as a producer but I believe at the time the idea was that the idea was that you know George Martin and Glyn Johns were co-producing the sessions, and there's a few times we actually see them you know interacting. There's a bit where I think they're all listening. They're listening back to "For You Blue," having nailed it, and they're all going, "Oh, the sounds great to hear in Apple." And George goes, "Oh yes, it's all Apple. Nothing to do with Paul Glyn here or something, doesn't he?" <laughs> and so so George is giving him his credit, but yeah, they're not. They don't seem to be uh, locking horns or anything they seem to be really nicely working around each other yeah um yeah it's like you said yeah essential um yeah and and every time he opens his mouth it's sort of helpful yeah so i think he's great he's been much maligned maybe and kind of his contributions a little bit so i don't know maybe um you know maybe in part three we're gonna see John and Glynn start to piss each other off a bit and maybe he says the wrong thing and and John goes, well, I don't want you as a producer then. And he not he locks his credit off. But certainly from what I've seen so far and what I know the role of a producer to be, he is producing that album. Yeah. With George Martin, uh-huh. but equally, you know. Yeah. Um, interesting. An interesting... Um yeah, it's odd watching him knowing that, that again he's going to know the history. Dirty. Yeah, and I also know that his end, the mixes he ended up with were lackluster, so I can't make sense of all this. Right. <laughs> yeah, they knocked him off the producer's credit because maybe they just hated like the mixes. Yeah, we'll have to see how that unfolds. Perhaps the argument comes out after the mixes. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Who right. Knows? Was there anything else that I put that we need to mention? Yeah, where does where does part two um where does part two end? end? Where where are we left? Because there is more to talk about from part two. There definitely is. I mean so just oh, oh, some... they they um they conceptualize that get back needs to be a single. Oh, they do, don't they? In the control room. Yeah, they listen, and then it feels like they listen to it once and not even the whole way through. And they go, Oh, yeah, that's great, that is, yeah. We should put this out next week. I know it's it's amazing, isn't it? They're yeah. like George is like, We'll have the master cut overnight. It'll be in the shops on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> he's he is he's really got his eye on the finances, hasn't right. he? Right. But there's um, no talk of like, oh no, um, we'd have to do a three week press campaign for this or you know what I mean? Like just how are we going to put the the sleeves together? Or yeah, do you know what I mean all this sort of stuff. And oh wow, this is the wrong time to release a single. If we wait a month, we get the Christmas rush or so. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. We're in the wrong quarter for that, John. You know, there's nothing like that. It's just like yeah, we put it out next week. Just whack it out. It's good. It's, I think and, they just they're just like we haven't done one for six months. We have got to put something yeah, out. Yeah, and maybe they feel like 
they would just it could just show up in the shops and it would sell. I mean, it would, you wouldn't even it? have to announce it. You just go to the record store and word would get out. Mm. There's a new Beatles um, single, but also perhaps they perhaps they don't say it to themselves because they've got too much pride. But perhaps they need a win. Yeah, they just perhaps need a after little, all that. They just they just sort of need a good little straightforward song with that without you know no sitars on it. No yeah. weird drug stuff. Just a great little rocker. Yeah, but m- perhaps they need to put something out there and just be reminded, oh, we, you know, people care. They, they're still waiting for this music. Like, mm. they want it. We're relevant still. Mm. Um, you know, because they, they obviously, you know, like like you were saying, Epstein died. And... Um, Started the rudderless period. Yeah, and they felt it? a little bit out of sorts and maybe like they were, mm. they were free-falling slightly. Um, Speaking of which, isn't it interesting to see them looking back at themselves in India, which at that point was yes. still relatively recent, mm. and they can't almost they can't see themselves in themselves a year on. Yeah, it's almost like when you know if I were to watch a, an interview of myself when I was twenty or something, I'd be like, "Who is that?" If in ten like, years' time like you me. watch the first season of the Giant Pod, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, it would be like that. It's me, but it's not yeah. me. It's very strange, but it's it's interesting because Paul is very, um, he's very honest in that, isn't he, with John? Yeah, and essentially says to John, you know, not very genuine was that you were faking it a bit, yeah, yeah. But I think he, he's also. You know, I think George is probably the only one that kind of held on to any of that. Um, yeah, I think he probably was. stuff with the Harry Krishna stuff. Where he, well, when he says to John, he says, uh, it wasn't very you, was it? Something like that. This does get back, though, to the Brian Epstein thing, in that I'm pretty sure when they first met that Maharishi guy while he was in Wales, that was the day Brian Epstein died. So they were probably just lost at that point. So just doubled down on this Indian stuff. And then the smoke clears a year later and they realise it wasn't necessarily sincere and might have been a bit of a reactionary thing. Yeah, um, interesting because he was their leader. Yeah. And all of a sudden this guy comes along. I and mean, they call him Mr. Epstein. I think it's so sad, isn't it? Even after he's dead, they're like, we miss Mr. Epstein. Yeah. yeah that's interesting, isn't it, that he never became Brian? To them, maybe. Yeah, maybe. They, I'm sure they could call him Brian as well, but it's it's just sort of almost like acknowledging him as the grown-up in the room, yeah. isn't it? Like, well, perhaps, maybe. I mean, I'm not sure what it was like in 69, but perhaps that was the, the done the thing. The done thing. Could when be. someone's past is to address them as... Uh, mm. I don't know. I don't know, but that is an interesting... Um, uh, yeah, it shows it reveals something, doesn't it, in terms of mentality or yeah, or, or how close that they, they were just at a sort of that point, you know, ser- they they would go for they were searching for anything. Mm. It's not to say that you know there's nothing in mysticism and all that, but for all four of them to, to kind of well, Ringo, I'd say, dived in the least, didn't he? <laughs> but let's just say for the point of this, all four of them fully, you know, went headfirst into all that. That seems to me again like a grief response. Possibly, yeah. So, and yeah. this in this Maharishi guy, he's a leadership character. Yeah, you can call him what you what you like. Call him a charlatan or sycophant, whatever. Um, I honestly, can't decide. I, mean, I they, don't know. In I, Craig not... Brown's book, uh, I think it's called One, Two, Three, Four. The Beatles song, or I can't remember the title, but um, he's like 
the Maharishi was probably a real spiritual guy, but also a lot of his spiritual wishes were like, Beatles, Beatles, the Lord has told me you must purchase me a Rolls Royce. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> right. He's not hiding much there, is he? Yeah. So it's a bit, yeah, it's, 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 it's an odd period in general, that whole Maharishi White Album time, you know. Yeah. There's something weirdly sinister and macabre to kind of all of it. Hmm. But luckily, they sort of come out the other end of it. But there's no, there's no overtly Indian-inspired or Eastern-inspired uh, licks no. on um, Let It Be, is there? I don't think. No, I don't even think George Harrison brings any odd instruments in. Hmm. They, they, the slide guitar, uh, the, sorry, the, the lap steel and the Leslie are their new toys, and the roads, aren't they? That's yeah. sort of keeping them occupied. Um, What's next? Beginning. Oh! Oh, the best bit. The, the best the, bit. The best, the funniest, the best moment is when they they, they decide, well, why don't we try the roof? And they go up to the oh, roof. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, sorry, you tell it. You well, tell they're, it. well, they're jumping up on the roof and they're all helping each other up. And then the, the shot, it's so it's so spinal tap. Yeah. It's it's such a... It's Dragging just, Michael Lindsay Hogg up yeah. onto a ledge. Both arms are out. And they've got both, they're, so they're just dragging him, and he's and he's almost he's almost like um, he's just kind of like uh, flat, isn't he? Yeah, he's not floppy, or and anything. he's got a cigar hanging out his yeah. mouth. He's like that, cigar hanging out, and they're dragging him like a stiff board across the top of so the roof. Funny. That was one of a number of grave health and safety <laughs> violations that were in part two. Yeah. But remember that bit in the beginning when Paul, like, they're still in Twickenham at this point. He finds a chain into some rig somewhere. And then before you know it, Ringo is hoisting him up to the roof and he's just hanging on. And it's like... Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were saying that. And yeah, but on, yeah, that shot of, of them just getting dragged on the ground is just... That must have been like them doing a sketch or something, or them like being like, "Oh, Michael, wouldn't it be funny if we dragged you?" It's like surely he's not that much of a Joffrey character. <laughs> like, I don't know. But, 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 I mean, maybe, maybe he just like maybe he just wasn't nimble enough, and he just needed the help. Very odd. And I mean, Michael Lindsay Hogg, his he seems to be getting in the way a bit more now, now doesn't he? And. Well, they're cottoning on. He keeps to... trying to get them. They just like want to go up on the roof. And he's like, but guys, what about the torchlit amphitheater? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I don't get me wrong. I, I wish we could see that too. Yeah. But read the room, Michael. <laughs> read the room. <laughs> Very funny. So, yeah, we could probably talk about this for ages. So let's, let's try and get to a wrap here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that, as you would say, chilling. Um, subtitle that pops up when they're on the roof that says they're, they're wondering whether the the roof will man- manage to sustain the weight of the equipment and the band yeah um which obviously they've said fuck it and tried it anyway yeah um, again it's the it's the 1969 health and safety approach isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah there's not really a big ending to this i think they just sort of go to bed and then it's like there's only four days left of the concert That's but they right. still haven't got it's I still haven't heard a whole ha- a whole album at this point. No, but yeah, man. I mean, look, we could keep on opening cans of worms all night, but part three comes out pretty soon. So I feel we need to rest, cleanse our minds of the Beatles, and then come in for part three. I can't wait. Although I'm going to be a bit uh, when it's over, listless. <laughs> yeah, 
Mm. Who knows? I like to think... I, I feel like the Beatles are looking after us at the minute. We've just had yeah. the lyrics from McCartney. We've just had this... You know, they're going to... Hopefully they'll announce a Revolver reissue or something. That would be sick. Yeah, we've had the Let It Be Super Deluxe. We've had the Get Back film, like you said, the lyrics book from McCartney. George Harrison, uh, All Things, All Things Must, Must Pass. Pass. 2021 mix or yeah. time, whichever Did we mix. get a 50th of Imagine? We must have done. That was this year. It must have happened. Yeah. Uh, or I don't know. It's probably been reissued 10 times, the album. Crazy. Um... So yeah, when we're never it's you know, we're never short of Beatles stuff. No. Before this, the biggest significant thing of Beatles footage or audio was probably um before they started doing those new stereo mixes was probably the Hollywood Bowl uh, 8 days a week documentary. Yeah. Where they managed to clean up some awful sound. I didn't I was a bit disappointed with that. Because to me, that just seemed like a slightly... I mean, obviously, they, they just didn't have the footage, really. Yeah. So they could just sort of... They could slightly jazz up what was in Anthology. And like on the still images, they did some bits where they'd, like, you know, animate smoke. And there'd be, like... A, if there was a candle in the background, it would flicker in the photo. And it was yeah. cool. It was nice. Yeah. But I'd it rather was have it than not have it. It was basically just a sort of well-made BBC4 programme. Yeah. Whereas this... You know, this is this is the next thing. But before that, level. it was anthology, and I think this yeah. Is well, kind of but between be that, now. between that, actually, what they did is they cleaned up um, Magical Mystery Tour the footage. Yeah, the, the movies came out and they had Blu-ray transfers, mm-hmm. um, and the music videos all got restored. Very true. Very the true. So they've they've looked after us to be fair. Yeah. Haven't they? So there is a there is a good history with the Beatles of. Um, of looking after what they've got mm. and, and 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 leveling up what they have, yeah. Or br- trying to bring um, the vault to the modern spec. Mm. So hopefully, as more technology develops, but all of this, all of this talking we're doing here is just us trying to put off that listless feeling. <laughs> if you are watching the Beatles get back. Jump in the comments. Let us know what we've got wrong. We, we, I feel we've thrown out a lot of hot takes in this. A lot of spurious claims. Uh, We've been bold. So come in, set us right. But there's a lot to take in. We, you can't expect us to remember this all. And my notes were flimsy at best. So um, we'll see you next time on The Beatles. Get back. Hello, welcome back to, uh, what is this, part three now? Part three. Of The Beatles Get Back the event, the TV mini-series, event, mini-series, epic, masterpiece. Uh, yeah, so um, quick recap of part two before we talk about what we're expecting of part three, and then we will go away, we'll watch part three, but that won't matter to you. It'll be a seamless uh, shift into our thoughts on episode three. And then just anything that we haven't covered in any of the previous that's going to be a long bit at the end there yeah. isn't it we're just going to go for hours we're going to go it'll for be it. good it'll be good just settle down come along with us you know it'll be fun as we prattle on as we prattle on it, this we're doing like our own version of what of the get back thing just a sort of mundane <laughs> long form but hopefully somewhat compelling yeah we hope so it'll be fine the, yeah. f- the first two have been all right I hope so. I mean, the first one particularly, great response, great response. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. So, yeah, part two. What did we see in part two? Okay, part two was uh, George comes back into the fold. So, yeah, we had a bit of sort of sad, a few sad days at Twickenham, didn't yeah. we? And the flower pot conversation and that. 
Yeah. And then George comes back. And presumably he's made a few demands. Gets them over to Apple. Yeah. So they get out, they leave Twickenham. Mm-hmm. They go to Apple. Then they just sort of settle into it, really, don't they? Yeah. There's some loads of cool little micro moments that we've sort of spoken about in more detail in part two. Um, you know, the material is starting to come together. We see our main man, Billy Preston, show up. I feel like George Martin is a bit more of a presence in yeah, part two as well. Yeah, he gets more involved. Um, yeah, part two is great. You start to see a lot more of the songs starting to take more of a final form, is in, in like they get to the end of them. Yeah. Uh, a lot more often. But there was no, yeah, and then there was no real cliffhanger with that one, was there? No just cliffhanger sort of, at the end of two. Just sort of left us with the concert was in four days. There was a bit of sort of the general peril, but there wasn't really a specific cliffhanger with that one. No. I will uh, say, I will say with part two, interesting how much material from Abbey Road starts creeping in in part two. Yeah, I mean, throughout, like, little bits pop in here and there, don't they? Like, I'm, I think I heard Paul do Her Majesty, that little snippet that's kind of, you know, right on the end, almost like, the, you know, the hidden track. Mm. Um, she came in through the bathroom window. Polythene Pam, Mean Mr. Mustard. Maxwell Silverhammer. Maxwell Silverhammer, yeah, that's floating around. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of the Abbey Road material is present at that point. Yeah. Um... Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, part two was great. Um, if you haven't seen our, if you haven't seen our part two episode, then go and watch that before you watch. Yeah, this. I feel I feel like the, these are to be watched in order. Um, yeah. I mean, ideally, you know, if you can, if you haven't watched any of them, watch part one, then our part one thing, then watch part two, then our part two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? We're sort of, these are sort of like the after show, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Our, yeah, our, yeah, our, yeah. The giant pod, Beatles get back after show. Exactly. Essentially. So, yeah, so that's part two kind of summed up. What are we expecting to see in part three? Well, we know the rooftop show is going to happen. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that's pulled off. Um, and more, I mean, I've seen parts of the rooftop gig. I think most Yeah, bits have been floating around, haven't fans they? Fans have. But just just a bit more context, a bit more detail as to how that goes down. I mean, you know, they still seem it's you know it says they're four days away, and a lot of it they still seem pretty far off at this point. So although we know that happens, it's like it's going to be interesting to see what happens in those four days to get them, you know, battle ready. Yeah, it is very much. I mean, there's there's a backs against the wall element here isn't there and mm. they might pull it out the bag well, they that, must do because we've seen because we've seen it so yeah. they, they do they do something yeah and then yeah. you know, let it be did eventually come out um you know I, I think they may have done some overdubs and stuff they may have sort of done a little bit more on it after abbey road recording sessions even like, i think there were a handful of recording sessions in 1970 actually for the beatles at abbey road but right. never altogether i don't think there was little you know uh, sub pairs and groups doing mixes and overdubs and stuff. Right. So we know, yeah, we know eventually something comes out. But at this point, although we're seeing you know material, we're starting to recognise it's still a long way off. Except for for you, blue. When right. in part two, this that performance of it was just amazing. But yeah, anyway, so part three, they just need to get their get their shit together, basically, don't they? Yeah, pull their fingers out and get down to it. Mm. They they must it must be. Final form time. We must see these songs take final form and shape. Do you think we're going to come and see George Martin come in and just knock them all around, like go back, like back to the old days? You know, reinstate that 
early days power dynamic and just go, yeah, right, boys, time to knuckle down, tune the instruments, no more silly voices. Yeah, well, what is interesting about what we've seen so far is that, you know, when, when we know when George Martin is on the set or in the room, they tend to... Uh, get on with it the standard improves a little yeah they're, yeah. they're still susceptible to it's it's the silly voices every time yeah. one of them will just do one silly voice and then before you know it you know they're like, all like doing we, it in, in fact that's another thing we must have to see in part three because there's certain bits we've seen in trailers mm. that we haven't seen in the other two so you know unless they're entirely separate i presume it's included it's going to be them singing two of us with two of us you know <laughs> that's got to come at some point hasn't it G, uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'll be fun that'll be fun yeah i mean part three is i mean we're expecting this to be an action-packed one yeah i mean it's just it's just going to be everything else isn't it um i mean I, i'm not sure i even know the set list for what they do on the roof i mean i think they don't let me down the, the kind of official music video for that is kind of clipped up from bits of the rooftop performance, isn't it? So, I think so. whether that's, you know, an actual take or not, or whether it's like, you know, almost like they're doing a music video, who knows? But Who knows? Yeah. I guess it's all gearing towards that. Um, maybe we should just jump in and watch it. Yeah. back we've just watched part three i'm not feeling good <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling listless and empty yeah I've, I, I've loved it don't get me wrong yeah but. i've loved it i feel kind of weirdly i, mean, I don't know if it's because they're so each version uh, each episode i can't talk each episode has been so long mm. i feel a bit emotionally drained by it like i feel a bit like i can feel it here yeah, I just feel a bit like, oh, like there's relief that they did it. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's weird because 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 we've been a fly on the wall. It's like been like watching Big Brother, Beatles. Yeah, I think that's that's a very interesting comparison. Like it's just the kind of it's endlessly kind of mundane but compelling. And mm. like I don't know. I I feel like it's it's an interest. It's it's obviously a choice. And the fact that there was initially an eighteen hour cut means like. Peter Jackson wants us to feel the monotony of what it's actually like to make an album. Mm. I mean, you know, both me and you, we've got experience doing recorded music. We know that it's it can be an arduous process and yeah. you're doing this stuff over and over and over again. And then eventually, you know, you can't see the wood for the trees. And we've seen so many now over the three episodes, ramshackle versions of Don't Let Me Down until they finally get it together. Yeah. That we're kind of emotionally invested in get them getting these songs together. Yeah. And seeing them get to the end of the song and it be like, was that the one? And seeing them the actually one? make it the whole way through, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're skipping forward a little bit here with, with what I'm about to say, but it's it was, I mean, well, no, maybe not. They're peppered throughout the uh, the, the third part. But it's when, when, the, when the subtitle comes up saying this version appears on Let It Be. Mm. It's like, oh, you're boys, like, oh, you've done shit, it. it's the one. You've done it, boys. Yeah. Here we go. Exactly. And it's, and, and yeah, this, that, that's quite, they're 
quite powerful edits, really. There's something about you goes, oh, yeah. It's very interesting. I mean, I mean, so yeah. I mean, what's what song do we see kind of abused the most? Um, I'd say, let don't me, let me down. Don't maybe. let me down. Gets chucked against the wall multiple times. But I, I feel like let it be is like yeah, that's like, a slog. God, God's sake, just get to the chorus. Like I feel like Paul never really like you never really see him play it all the way through. And mm. or do you see him play it all the way through? in this at all i don't think we do because in over the final credits i mean look, let's just accept now that this is going to be all over the place chronologically yeah. and the, the you know we've been hit with nine or eight hours of beatles content we're not going to, be able to keep it straight in our heads <laughs> um they were doing all that teasing stuff in the credits of like you know showing a take and then yes something would go wrong yeah. um so yeah, that was that was pretty abused. I don't feel like Get Back was abused. I feel like seeing the actual song Get Back develop over the course of the sessions is just amazing. Yeah. Um I mean it, we that's almost the through line, isn't it? Of like it gets better each time. Whereas Don't Let Me Down, it kind of it really goes through some troughs in places, doesn't it? Yeah. But so yeah, you're right though to bring it back to what you were saying. When that final finally we get that little bit of yellow text saying this was included, or you know, later included on the Let It Be album. Yeah, it's just like fucking finally take a hundred and four. Yeah, know, it's it, in the can. Yeah, but, but then also you're like, here's the magic. This is the magical bit. Mm. This is this is like these songs that you know we've been listening to for. I mean, I'm only 29, so I've been listening to Beatles not for for probably 15 years or something now. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I finally get to see how it was done. Or you get to see the... I know it's weird. It's like with many, many albums, classic albums or whatever, you don't get to see it happen. It yeah. just exists. No one, no one thought to put cameras there at the time, did they? Right. Like, yeah, it just... Or, you know, you can see them doing some takes, but you never... Or, you know, very rarely you see the one. Mm. And get to see it, you know, it come out of them. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, oh shit here's the here it is i mean literally you see him pluck get back out of the out of the sky mm. he's just noodling and then it's just and then it's just he's got it mm. and yeah to see literally the moment of inspiration mm. like all the way through ideation all the way through yeah and then bam on the roof, I think it is, isn't it? Where they get, mm. get the, is it, or is it, or do they do one in the studio after? Uh, they do it three times on, on the, the roof. roof. I think it's four. I don't know. They play a lot of stuff on that roof. I, I actually need to. Look, I actually again. need to maybe look up that set list again because there were so many duplicates, mm. and it was a. Because yeah, neither of us had seen. I don't even know if that was available in full, and maybe in bootlegs and stuff. But I've seen stuff on YouTube, but I always assumed that they had over they they'd dubbed the studio version over the mm. rooftop. Yeah, it's had very stuff. Just had very long cables. It sounds very good. That's yeah. why very very well recorded. Very, very long cables, I and mean, we you know it's all telefunk and mics. You know, I've been being a mic nerd the whole way through. I don't recognise every last one of them, but now and then I'll spot one I recognise and shout it out and. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have they've got stockings over them to stop the wind noise going too badly. Um you know, they, they, it's 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 a, as good as a recording studio, you know. You're not going to get really much reverb up there because there's nothing to reflect off. Mm. Um so, you know, why not record on the roof? 
Why not? And, you know, we saw in that concert a lot of that material actually ended up being kept. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Perhaps what it needed was that... It was that kick up the ass. It was that, you know, the whole of London or whatever, or Savile Row, at least, yeah. um, could hear them. And they had the pressure of the police. And it was like, you know... What's that expression? It's time to shit or get off the pot. Time to shit or get off the pot. Exactly. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, there's that... Oh, do you, remember, do you remember that really tense bit where Paul is talking to John about the deadline? Mm. And then, you know, George Martin, I think, says, like, well, you know, Paul, you've had lots of deadlines, but you keep moving them. And he goes, I know, and that's why I'm talking to John about it, not you, or something. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. whoa. It's like, fuck but, off. Yeah. But for some reason, they did even though you know we see them the night before they're like we might do it tomorrow we don't we don't know george is like i don't want to do it but he's smiling anyway yeah and then somehow they do and there's a really i think it's a really interesting bit and i love the way it's presented in the split screen i think that works really well yeah i think that is going to divide opinion it will but it, it also feels a bit like an ode to the front cover of let it be as well because they're in the four blocks on let it be interesting i hadn't um, thought that but yeah that's but, that's but there's no there's no moment i could see where they where it mirrors the where there's a reference to the front where it cover did it exactly where they frame each one up oh uh, that it. yeah that the, might have been a bit um you know bit on the nose a bit bohemian rhapsody you yeah know. um but it, it was just great and i guess they're at the point where peter jackson you know he said before that if they've got um if they've got multiple angles of a situation they use an angle they've never used before mm. but something like the rooftop show it, it would it would almost be a crime at this point after this many years mm. to only show one angle at a time if you've got Definitely. three or four angles capturing this incredible event and i so yeah. i get it that they want to give you every angle yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so it's it cool, in. you know, because it, I mean, it gives you a sense of, you know, I kind of, I kind of like the fact it's going down to those people on the streets, and you got those, but there's, there's like vox pops. Yeah, people like going. Well, I think they, I can't think they got quite a good beat, you know. I like them. <laughs> be like some old man, and they'd be like, "And would you let your daughter marry the Beatles?" And he's like. <laughs> Yes, I would. I think they're rather stylish, and I like their sounds. <laughs> and it's you know, it's I think it's great. It really like, and they got money. Yeah, it fills it out as a period piece a little yeah. bit. Yeah, you know? but the the thing I was the thing I was gonna say, I really like how they've included all the in between bits, and when they all go out and look over the railing and see people, and you know. They they see that there's people down there, and McCartney like catches someone's eye, and he does he does his one of little you know, a little McCartney thing, and you're like shit, they're doing it, they're doing it, you know, yeah, and it's like he was fired up, he was on, and he the thing is, I think he now you know he he seems like he really likes performing now, yeah. yeah, because I guess you know the tech can support it, and he probably can tour very comfortably, and like I think that's when he he evolved into his final form of like he always was the performer yeah so it's a bit weird that they were locked away for all those years you know like i mean john and george did do a handful of uh solo shows you know more than more than a handful they did tours here and there but paul was really the one like with wings they were doing like student clubs and stuff weren't they he's the i don't know yeah, well, I I, so. they, they did. They, that was, I think, I believe they did like their first tour, maybe with Ram and stuff. They did. Well, they some... weren't like an arena band, were they? I mean, they well, eventually ended up as one. Had they had some like massive a, hits. Yeah, they, they eventually ended up with you know, a big horn section and that. But 
I, I, I think you, you just see Paul just being his McCartney self because he can see that there's people watching and digging it and there's that feedback. And, and because of that, so much of that material was usable, even though they seemed to do everything, you know, three times. Obviously, you know, they were making a film at the time. Yeah. And so they want to get stuff from different angles. You know, we'll film Paul's close-up on this one, John's on the next. So you had to do it twice. Yeah, and I guess it's a, a, a case of, you know, get three in the bag, and then you've got three takes to choose from as well, f- in terms of music, mm. or just in terms of um, camera angles and, and aesthetics. It's like, you know, they might get the golden take, and if they've gone to the effort of building all that on the roof and making it, you know, rigging it up downstairs on the do you say eight track it's an eight track on at the this eight point, track yeah. um then um you're not going to go up there and do one of each are you you're going to make sure that, no, you know you've got you've got stuff material to play with yeah, yeah. but there, there was a few bits i mean again i'm sure this information is is out there if i was you know in, in a mark lewison book or something they're incredibly thorough but there was some where it's like you know this take eventually ended up on the album and you know i'm thinking there must be some bits where they've like redone a vocal or there was never a take where I thought, yeah, that's Billy Preston's piano solo on get back. For instance, right. They always seemed a little bit, you know, okay, maybe it's that half of that one or that, that half of that one, you know? Um, yeah, it wasn't. So I don't know whether any of them are just completely the raw performance or whether it's, you know, it's fairly composites. common to record that. And then, you know, you might strip the lead vocal off. We'll do some punch-ins in the studio later. I really don't know, but I'm, I'm sure that information is out there. Yeah. Should we care to look? Oh, it'll be there. Yeah. It'll be there. Yeah, part three is very, very interesting. And like, like you were saying at the beginning of this, you know when you've seen a... You know when you've watched a TV show? Yeah. For more than two, three seasons, mm-hmm. usually, and you get so invested in the characters and the story because it's so long form, you really have time to see an arc or a character you just spend a lot of time with them yeah. don't you yeah and um and then when it's over it's kind of like you're like well that's the end of those characters my friends are dead <laughs> <laughs> um i kind of once that had ended i kind of had that not fully that feeling but like a very similar feeling so like, oh, oh we definitely all, all well what exactly what i happened. just want to watch well, I just want to watch that for every album. Uh, well, yeah, oh, I imagine. I mean, yeah. you know, just it, it's it's a uh, it's a kind of cruel twist of fate that the technology was only there by the end of their career in yeah. some ways, wasn't it? But um, yeah, so after it had ended, we literally just sort of sat here for about five minutes and didn't really say much <laughs> to each other. And then you put on the twenty twenty remix of All Things Must Pass, <laughs> and we sort of sat here just you know, considering life for a bit. <laughs> and then, you know, we finally switched on the camera and started recording. But we needed, we needed, like, we'd been in that basement with them for a month as well, right. hadn't we? You know. Definitely. And it's so weird, and maybe this is not really the, the, maybe this is not really after show chat in terms of about the show, but, like, they're so young and... Uh, I don't know. It almost, it almost gave me a bit of an existential crisis. What, like, what have I done? Well, no, no, not, not, no, no, not really. Because I, f- I feel like I'm do- doing all right. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. But like, uh, oh, you know, it just it looks like it was shot yesterday. Obviously, you're acutely aware that you're watching old historical footage, mm-hmm. but they, they're presented fifty years younger, aren't they? Yeah. Like, 
in crisp HD and it looks like it could have been yesterday and they're all 80 something years old now it's mad and and, and yeah you know may, I don't want to say the best years of their lives are gone well two but, of them's entire but, but lives two are of them two yeah. of them are dead and I don't know it's just like oh Ringo's a, recent cover of Rock Around the Clock was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even heard it um but I don't know what I'm trying to say, really. It's no, just I do. I do know what you mean. It, 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 it seems strange. Nothing is permanent, and and all things must pass. All things must pass. <laughs> and, and, and but it's just. It, I don't it know. was just that was literally. I, I kind of think. I think. I, I think. I'm, I feel sort of the same thing. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I'll say what I think, and then you can say if you agree. Right. It's that it's almost. Um, they're this legendary, amazing, amazing thing, and they feel impermanent. But yeah. at the same time, we're just seeing a month of four people's lives, and quite a lot of it is kind of fairly ordinary. Yeah, and it's sort of it's pulled the curtain back a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's strange that because of the quality of the restoration and the footage, and even the sort of you know the directorial style at the time is quite. The shots are quite modern, mm. you know. Um, yeah, so it, it's just strange seeing that and the quality of that restoration that, you know, however old he is, 28-year-old McCartney and, you know, 80-year-old McCartney seem to coexist in 2021 now. Right. And that's a bit hard to get our heads round, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Like, yeah. It's, it, it, yeah, but there's and there's something, I don't know, perhaps it's just not a fear of dying, but it's just that, yeah, nothing is permanent and everything ends and it's like you're what we're looking at is is four young guys who have the the world is their oyster every dream has come true they're living a lifestyle that's legendary fabled and and iconic and and i don't know and it's just weird that, that here they are they look like it was done yesterday but mm. two of them have, two of them died one of them died 12 years before i was born yeah Lennon was nineteen eighty, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Twelve years before I was born, but here they are, and they look. It's weird though. It's like they look just like you and me in a way. Like obviously, nothing. We don't look like Paul McCartney did. No, but they they they're so normalised, which is very human, isn't it? And it's just I don't know. It's just scrambled me a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I feel. I think I've I've I think everyone who's been watching this, who's been a, a lifetime Beatles fan, is going to be feeling a bit odd. I don't know how I, I feel. I'm about hoping. It. I'm hoping that someone more articulate than me, you know, maybe uh, the guy who does I Am The Egg Pod is very articulate. <laughs> I, I want to see what he, Chris Shaw, I think his name is. We'll see what he says about it. But It is probably about 1am as well while we're doing this. It is. It is late. I mean, yeah, we've already got our late night voices, but I feel it's it's appropriate, you know. I mean, mm. it's it's an ordeal I've enjoyed, but I do use the word ordeal. Yeah, what I feel watched. stressed. I felt stressed yeah. watching it. Like it's stressful because it's so for for literally until the rooftop concert, except for a Never few know pockets here and there. It doesn't even it, it it is literally just like a garage band, isn't it? Like, yeah. But I wonder. I do. It makes me wonder now about that eighteen-hour cut. It makes me wonder if what's if, on the cutting room floor. It makes me wonder what what um what scenes or passages of time are missing that bridge some of these gaps because it looks like one calamity after another and then all of a sudden it almost looks a bit like 
oh, well, they got that arrangement together fairly quick, blah, blah, blah. I'm wondering, like, I'm wondering if there's a smooth... I mean, it's a very good way of putting it across. They've managed to get a lot of narrative. Well, this episode... so what they've got. Yeah. I'm wondering with an 18-hour cut, whether that... You see a more gradual process to that rooftop. Whether there's oh, a I bit see what you we're, mean. We're, we're missing where it's like, there's... You know, actually, it's not that bad for they just most of the last few days. go to sleep, have some really good breakfast that morning, and then just bring it all together. It does seem a bit perfect, but I, I, I would also say that specifically this episode had... Uh, we There wasn't audio and video coverage for everything. We've edited this in a as fair a representation we've it's uh, yeah, something I like that i think that's at the beginning of every episode is, is it so it's like, i think so it's like a disclaimer which is which basically says um audio or or visual well, or visuals may not or audio may not be available for every part of this but we have tried our best to maintain the original narrative i guess yeah so you may be seeing footage that may may look a little bit misleading but that's as close to uh, it's close to a visual visual representation of the audio you're hearing as you can. Mm. So basically, it's their way of saying we're not trying to um, cr- recreate history or, or, or falsify a narrative here. We we're just trying our best to tell the story with what we've got. I mean, I I think to me it seems a, a very unbiased account. I think no one is really painted out to be. No one sort of. Uh, what's the word? Demonized. I no. think everyone is just they, because it's because it's so long, and they all have unflattering moments. Unfl- yeah, they all have moments where um, they do come across like a dickhead. A bit Every snarky. one of them have a, a snarky or a, or a sly or a slightly underhanded side, mm-hmm. or or um, yeah, and, and that's that's been the beauty of this is the in the humanizing bit of this as well is is that. Everyone has a moment where you go, oh, right, dickhead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Everyone does. But I, I just, I wonder, so, I mean, if it were an 18-hour cut, I mean, presumably, there's just going to be a lot more tuning up, plugging stuff in, talking about what they watched on telly last night, toast, more toast, ciggies, like, yeah, because they're, I just, I can't, because of how much is in there, it just seems impossible to me that there's some major moment that they've deliberately omitted. No, and I'm sure you're right. I'm sure we've got Unless the, the most abridged, but the most thorough version that we mm. can. I'm just wondering if that from, from especially part three, from moving into Apple, into the rooftop gig, I feel like those those songs at the rooftop gig were incredibly tight and realised and we didn't see all of that happen. We didn't see all of that, yeah. all of the tightening of those nuts and bolts. So I think that's there somewhere. It's there somewhere. Mm. You know, a more... Just um, more and more takes. But it just becomes impenetrable. And what they want is for... for it's still quite niche, this, isn't it? Because it's so long. It is niche, but... But you have a risk of turning the audience off yeah but if you've got an 18 hour cut and you hear every every lick of their get back rehearsals from three days yeah and certainly i don't i 
I don't think they should have done an 18-hour cut from the off. But I know, and I think if anyone's watching this video, they are probably also the sort of person that would happily have it. Yeah. And you wouldn't necessarily watch it all in one day. No. But it would be nice to have. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice and I th- to have. I, I think there's a lot of people who would even take the 60-hour cut. <laughs> I think there were people who would literally take all the raw footage and be delighted. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I want I, I want it gone through, you know, a, a keen editor's eye. Um, yeah, there'll be someone out there who's like, I've watched camera A. I've watched all 20 hours of camera A. Yeah. I've watched all 20 hours. But it won't, I don't know. I mean, the 60-hour cut would be rubbish. It would be horrible. It would be so boring. Yeah. Like, I mean... We've both been in... You would hear one of them fart, though, I guarantee well, it. You you, well, Ringo you, did, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, did you not do it? Did no, you not see that? Yeah, Ringo Oh, fart. that was in this part. I don't know if you heard it, but he, he does that, and he just goes, just so you know, a fart is... Thought <laughs> I'd best say, or yeah, something. <laughs> it's great, great stuff. Great right. stuff. Oh, well, that's all right, then. we got a fart. I'm um, happy. I'm trying to think of any other specific moments. I mean, I just I I can talk about this forever. The police um, at the bottom of the stairs. The police. For ages. Uh, yeah, when the po- the police show up, I remember that uh, in the Let It Be film, all the stuff with the police looks fake as fuck because of right. how it's cut together. It's obviously real in this, and like I think that that the, the kind of main oik policeman, he really comes across badly, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he comes across like a proper square, a real loser, real snickling for the rule we can hear it down at Compton Square it's like <laughs> it's like yeah well, it's, it's sick we've had 30 complaints within minutes yeah and he gets there and he's like I will have to start making arrests and it's just I don't know I just I um yeah it's like it's it's like no, it's like everyone everyone but him is aware of the gravitas of the situation whether they yeah. like the music or not they all know something exciting is happening. Oh shit! And do you remember that other one? So someone, someone down there explained to them that they were doing it for a feature, and then this other one goes, "Can't like dub the sound later." <laughs> Piss off, mate! You're and a it's police like, for yeah, exactly. It's like so, yeah. Since when are you a record producer? Like, yeah. shut up. Oh shit! I'll uh, I'll go speak to John and tell him that the Bobby at the bottom of the stairs. They said that it's all right, you can just overdub it later in the studio. And they're like, oh, fuck, why didn't we think, think of that? <laughs> Where is he? Bring Cheers, him up. Claude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Mental. But then in the end, it's sort of, when they actually get up onto the roof, I believe the kids call it big dick energy. <laughs> None of the Beatles cares. When Mal goes over, um, he sort of crawls along and he's like, you know, shows over, blah, blah, blah. He switches off their amps. George is back over, switches them back on, and they keep on playing. Yeah. McCartney gives a cheeky wink to the officers and does a little, uh, you know. <laughs> and it's like, because they just know. They're like, you ain't going to do shit, mate, with the Beatles. <laughs> right. Like, you got too much money. There's 10 cameras. What are you going to do, mate? Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and let's not forget, they were at one point in the not-too-distant past the country's biggest economic export. Mm. So... A couple of policemen coming up on the on the uh, roof to tell them to turn down. So we've got MBEs, you know. So, like, yeah. We are an industry. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you going to do? It's crazy. If they went into prison, the Queen would pardon them herself personally. Mm. 
because you know how's the military going to be funded without the Beatles yeah <laughs> the biggest export I don't know it's mad though isn't it that a band that at some point in their life became a superpower with a commonwealth or at least some, maybe some empire still at that point mm-hmm. became a, a superpower first world countries in its own right biggest export yeah it's mad isn't it they're that, that I mean look I lived in Liverpool for five years the legacy is strong. Yeah. The legacy is strong. Something I think we should talk about, actually, because we've been talking a little bit about this. Um, I don't know if this has actually even made it necessarily onto any of the podcasts we've done so far, but we've definitely been talking about it, is um, the amount of Abbey Road material that seems to be floating around that yeah. then appears to be... So, so appears to be well, it appears to be rejected. But then I've sort of caught myself saying that, and I'm thinking, do they basically just want to wash their hands of let it be? And so they sort of put the weaker material on that, and they're like, you know, we'll let Ringo go and film the Magic Christian. And then I'm pretty sure is it kind of? I feel like you know, Abbey Road is a sort of spring to late summer album they were recording that the same year, right? So were they keeping back their best material because we've seen. I mean, you know, George is throwing around some things, which is amazing to see. Yeah. Um, One of their biggest songs. Maxwell's Silver Hammer, which uh, the versions we've seen, I can see why none of them were keen on it, but it gets a lot of shit, but I think it's actually a pretty cool song. I really like the synth, the Moog synth on it, the early Moog. Uh, Lots of parts of the medley are floating around, aren't they? Uh, Yeah. Her Majesty, Bathroom Window, Polythene Pam, Mean Mr. Mustard, I Want You, She's So Heavy. Yeah. And Octopus Garden. Octopus Yay. Garden came came through. Yay. And we saw a little bit of Golden Slumbers. Yeah, we did, didn't a we? A little bit of Golden Slumbers yes. before he gets all... Ah! Yeah. So Golden Slumbers, the lyrics for that are, are, are nicked, aren't they? They're from, that's like a famous poem or something. Oh. Because I, I think he's explaining that to Mal. Actually, I, think... I got into some poetry recently. And when did I was you? looking for some, looking at bits and pieces and reading bits, I was like... That's fucking golden slumbers. Mm. Like more than once, I saw that pop up, and I thought, "Is the is this if the Beatles now become poetry in some circles?" No, I think it's no, the other that way would around. be that would be where it's come from. Then I think the story is with that that like Paul has gone back up to Liverpool and was at his dad's house, mm. and his dad was also a piano player and who could actually read sheet music, so he had some stuff on and um, got his inspiration from that, but made up his own melody and everything, made up his own chords around it. He literally just lifted the words and. You know, did what he right. thought would be good to them, but I, that's all I can think of off the top of my head for that. that but that, that's a pretty sizable chunk of the album, to be fair, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's basically then you know the few John tracks come together. Here comes the sun. We haven't seen any of that yet, have no. we? Because, and then the sort of first half of the medley. Yeah. Oh, oh, we know we hear them do carry that weight as well, don't we? At some point, do we? Yeah, I feel like they're doing like a kind of like reggae version of it. You're gonna carry that weight. They're, they're sync. They're not. They haven't quite oh, found okay. the tempo yet, or right. something. But, but what's interesting about the fact that there's a lot of Abbey Road material in this documentary is that none of them go, "Oh, that's a good one. We should put." There's no discussion about them being part of that. Like you don't hear them accepted or rejected. No, they're no, just nothing like, they seems just to of, be discussed, yeah, does it? They, they just, just sort of seem happen. to Yeah. And then it cuts to someone having a cup of tea and a cigarette and talking about, it, um, oh, uh, George is uh, 
talking about having a solo album or something, something like that. You know, yeah. some sort of like, you know, um, it's almost like they don't know why they're working. They're just sort of working. Yeah, but they've sort of all forgotten what they're doing. And Paul does say that, don't they? They're kind of that. There's there's a few of those quite meta bits where they're talking about like, what even is this? Like, is this a, is this a TV show? Is this an album? Is this just us filming an album? Yeah. Or is it a documentary about a band filming an album? Or is it a TV show? What is it? <laughs> and it's like, that's what I'm thinking watching this yeah. now. What What is this? Yeah, what is going and on? I'm still not sure. I still don't think I know. What it is. Yeah. And it's interesting as well. There's a moment, I think it's part two, when he goes, um, it's Paul. Paul McCartney sat there going, um, oh, I wonder what people will think of this in 50 years. They broke up because Yoko sat on an amp. <laughs> um, and it was like, I looked at you when he said that, because it was just like, if I found that moment in the footage, I'd have been like, oh my God, that that's is, amazing. That is some crystal ball. Because it's 50 years later, it's come out. It's just, yeah. it's just so strange how how the Beatles, yeah, the luck with the things they say or the, they do and... And how things slot into place sometimes, even though they don't look like having they're having a lot of luck there. Mm. But it's the moment he goes, I wonder what people are thinking if they see this in fifty years' time. Yeah, and like it, we're literally sat here watching fifty yeah. years later, and I don't know what to God, think. Um, I just had a thought. Yeah, imagine watching Paul watch Get Back. Like if you were at the premiere or in the edit suite, right. the first time he's seeing this stuff back for the first time. Yeah, what is that going to be like? Well, I, don't, I mean, because I mean, we talked about this because Linda's in it, mm-hmm. and he's now remarried. Oh, we Linda's, did, didn't we? Yeah. Linda's died, and I wonder if he would have wanted. I mean, I would probably if I had, was married, and uh, and my wife passed away, and then years later I was married again, and a documentary about this a part of my life came out, and I knew there was eight hours of footage of me with this other person one i'd be like i don't know how how emotional i'd be watching it given that they didn't just break up and divorce she died mm. so they were presumably in love still mm-hmm. when she died i wouldn't know how i'd react to that and i wouldn't necessarily want to put my current partner wife whatever through the weird emotions of like oh but then also you wouldn't want to make them feel too awkward would you with like because you don't know what peter jackson's seen or found or cut in do you know what i mean they're playing tonsil tennis at one moment (laughs) you might want to say hey peter maybe just cut that out because the wife or (laughs) i mean i've no i've no doubt (laughs) my wife won't like no doubt that each you know the obviously paul and ringo and then yoko and either olivia or danny harrison will have a veto or an edit control yeah, they'll or, have some or, or something. Um, I mean, I, I cannot imagine the amount of like boring, wrangling legal meetings yeah. that must have been going on behind the scenes just to make this happen. Like, yeah. And I also think it's an interesting decision. I was wondering if there was going to be any bits where it cuts in to like the modern day and is, and I think it's, interesting that they didn't do that because it it just speaks for itself at the time doesn't it and obviously we yeah. couldn't get george or john's say on anything now george martin's not around um a lot of them you know a lot of characters in that story aren't going to be here anymore and it lets it, you know it lets 
the 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 uh, the viewer um, decide for themselves, like what we're doing here. Mm. Uh, you know, everything else would have just been conjecture, probably, or stuff we already know. So you'd have just been hearing people's opinions about what they think was going on, yeah. what they think George Harrison was feeling or going through or thinking or whatever. Mm. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's an, an interesting, an interesting. Pro- it's so personal, isn't it? I imagine, yeah, watching Paul, going back to what you're saying, if we watched Paul watch this, it would be, I know I was talking about the sort of the, the relationships aspect, it's 50 years ago, it's quite trivial probably now. Um, I mean, I think as well, Paul's current wife is probably used to, it's probably not an easy thing being a former Beatles wife, and she's probably <laughs> just used to it by now. Right. Do you know, there's a lot of exceptional circumstances <laughs> yeah. that come with the territory. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just that he's one of the, had one of the most documented lives mm. ever. I mean, she, she's probably going to know everything and have seen mm. things that I mean, most people that, don't want to see. There's that footage of uh, Paul and Linda's wedding, and they're coming out of the church, and they're just being mobbed. And it's like, <laughs> if that, you know, that's from the off. And like, yeah, I, I, I'm sure you you know what you're signing up for. Exactly. But but what I was going to get to is that he, you know, he, he he's watching his young self. He's watching his his friend Ringo, young Ringo, but he's also watching a lot of footage of George and John and, mm-hmm. and George Martin and maybe some other people. Is Billy alive still, Billy Preston? Uh, no, didn't he die a few years ago? Preston. 2006. Died in 2006. Mal Evans, not with us anymore. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in that film that are gone now and so that's probably it's probably other than just reliving this this part of his life that like it's probably very stressful yeah um and frustrating and scary and whatnot you know he's just it's probably quite an emotional watch because like we said you know the way it's presented it could have been shot yesterday mm. must be a head fuck must be a head fuck definitely Head fuck. Did you see that? Um, speaking of Paul McCartney head fucks, did you see that video he did? Uh, I think it was for Find My Way, but the bet, you know, he did that uh, McCartney 3 Imagined, which is like the kind of remix album. Right. So he did Find My Way with Beck remixing it or something. And Sounds in the video right. for that, there's like a deep fake version of like kind of 1964 Paul doing all this crazy dancing and it's uh, so trippy to see because it's all like you know deep fake stuff but I think I saw a clip of that mm. I might, we might watch that in a minute might have to check that out yeah but yeah it must just must be very strange very very strange but but then maybe he's used to it. he's had such a weird life he's, and he's he? just got yeah I mean him in particular with the whole you know Paul is dead stuff yeah and I don't know, having to be in the public eye with, like, two of his, you know, like... Have you seen that Have you seen that interview of him the day John Lennon dies and he gets kind of hounded outside a studio and he's, like, he's kind of seems a bit off and he goes, like, well, it's a drag, isn't it? And, like, it, it to me, it's, like, that's just, like, really sad because he just doesn't know how to be in the public light and he's normally his, like, chirpy McCartney self. Yeah. But he can't be that. But he doesn't want to, like blub to the cameras either because right. like he wants to keep something back for himself i guess it's and he's probably processing it i mean what that john john's killed in new york mm. at this point he could be thousands of miles away 
and it just probably just doesn't feel very real. Yeah. Or there's probably a, a huge disconnect. And they haven't seen each other for however many years at this yeah. point. There's a lot to process. It's not going to... The gravity of that situation is not going to yeah. have hit him in the 10 minutes or whatever. But I dare say he probably has one of the oddest lives of anyone currently alive. Right. And this is why some, sometimes... I mean, it sounds a bit sad, but sometimes I think about Ringo and Paul as being the last two Beatles. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, sometimes I feel quite sad at the, the, the prospect that one of them is going to, to die before the other probably and and leave just the last one and the last one and and there's a i feel a sadness some it's strange i know it's strange um in that they they are going to be quite alone after that yeah because all of the, a big portion of the the greatest moments defining moments of their lives have been four people or sort of filming each other i guess mm-hmm. And when I and are able to talk about it and remind each other and sort of hold that information and 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 once Ringo or Paul or whoever whichever one goes first, that's it. All of the other angles of their life have gone. Yeah, but then obviously they've been surrounded by cameras. But it's different. And there and that's the only people. They're the only people on on the planet they can relate to. Yeah, John. Uh, I'm sorry, John and Paul. Uh, and George and Ringo, they can all relate to each other in a way that no one else will be able to relate to them mm. because of how exceptional their life has been and and how inextricably connected they have been. So it's going to be very obviously going to be sad when a beetle dies, but when there's one last beetle, that's going to feel incredibly lonely. I think. It, I agree. I agree. You ever seen the seen the Bee Gees recently when just Barry Gibb shows up on his own? It's a sad sight, man. <laughs> We're talking about Beatles dying. We should be talking about part three. Instance. I think it's time to um, time to wrap this up. I'm hoping that I mean it's probably all in the super deluxe for Let It Be, but I'm hoping there might be some companion CD soundtrack something. Mm. something come out that i can get my hands on from this that would be nice some audio yeah i would say check out the um check out the 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 big let it be thing that's just come out that's got a lot of the rooftop stuff on there it's got the glenn johns mixes it's got some sort of it's got the spectre mixes but they're sort of a little bit modernized it all sounds really good and i imagine you know you need to pull up Wikipedia to know where to find each thing. It's, yeah. it's quite a mishmash, isn't it? But yeah, um, it's a mishmash of sessions. It's a mishmash of songs. And as such, we have approached it in a very ramshackle way. We've been all over the place chronologically. But, yeah. you know, we've just been assaulted with eight hours of Beatles stuff. How are we going to make sense of this without severe notes and research? And proper sleep. Which is not our style. So <laughs> I do hope you have enjoyed this and it hasn't just been utterly aimless and rambly. Um, it's been fun to come out of the shadows and actually be on the podcast. I'm now going to never speak on the podcast again <laughs> for like uh, until, you know, maybe episode 100. I might come on as an alien CGI character or something. But We'll see. I might we'll try see. and find an excuse to get you out. But until then, I'm actually now going to symbolically place down my microphone. <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, thanks very much for tuning in to part three of our The Giant Pod Beatles Get Back After Show. If you haven't seen the other episodes, why have you got to the end of this one? Go and watch those as well. 
Uh, if you haven't yet seen um, Get Back, we've spoiled it all for you. But don't worry, there's still plenty of of uh, lovely bits for you to find. Uh, go and listen to uh, the Letter B Super Deluxe box set as well. Those new mixes are great. Yes, like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Go check out some of our podcasts with some incredible people as well. Yeah, do, already. do. And let us know, you know, if you want to do any more kind of nonsense, lo-fi stuff like this. It's, you know, it's it's, it's much easier than the normal podcast, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Let us know. Goodbye. And I hope you enjoyed getting back with Woo-hoo. the Beatles. I know I did. <laughs>